0: Yeah. <laughs> And welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, week six review edition. I'm your host, Ian Hartson. Joining me, as he always does on every Sunday evening throughout the season, MB Fantasy Life superstar, Dwayne The Rock McFarland. What's going on, Dwayne?
1: What's up, man? Like, the cow- Cowboys tried to make it interesting, Ian. They tried. They tried yeah. at the end. Just didn't quite work out. But uh, it was better than 20-0, like it was at halftime. So we can live with it.
0: We, you know, I think most of these Sunday nights we have waited until the end of the game. A couple of them, you know, earlier, we've just been like, all right, you know, we don't need to catch the end of this. I got a text from you with about a minute left in the second quarter, just like, man, not looking good here. And, now, you know, I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to catch the end of the Cleveland uh, Yankees game. So I was like, you know what, we'll give it a little bit longer and see what happens. And, yeah, they ended up making it a fight. And, hey, man, if you would have told any Cowboy fan after that uh, DAC injury that they were going to go 4-1 and one with Cooper Rush, I'm sure they would take that eight days of the week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Four and two is okay uh, with Dak having been out. But the what? Eagles are six and oh, they, and they look good. Um, you know, I know. We'll talk about that game later plenty
0: to get to. In the meantime, as always on this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, going through each and every game from Sunday. Dwayne's utilization report goodness. Mike's just, you know, generally looking at the plays and trying to fit in and also seem smart next to my good friend Dwayne here. So with all that said, let's get after starting things off with the Patriots beat down over the Browns 38-15. to 15, New England covering easy as a three-point dog over cash at 43.5. So another really good performance from Bailey Zappi, Dwayne. And look, it hasn't been impressive the entire time he's been under center zero big time throws and only one turnover where he play so it has been impressive i should say seeing him go out there and not make these mistakes but he's not lighting the world on fire is all i'm trying to say but who cares man these are just style points this is you know the difference between justin herbert and Patrick mahomes gaining 40 yards and someone like uh You know Bailey Zapp or Jacoby Brissett gaining 20 or 40 yards. So on the season, Zappi, literally number one in adjusted completion rate and number four in yards per attempt out of 38 quarterbacks with at least 50 dropbacks. So it's been working, Dwayne. It sounds like from the beat reporters, there's no need to really worry about you know a true quarterback competition. Um, At a minimum, though, it's going to be really interesting if we see Mac Jones now get healthy, get back, and it seemed like he was very close to playing today. It'll be very interesting if Mac Jones comes back and starts to struggle a little bit, given how well Zappi has gotten this offense moving. Let's not forget man, like the first 2 or 3 weeks of the year, awfully difficult to watch this Patriots offense. They were starting to get into a groove in that Ravens game before Mac Jones got hurt, but hey, I'm not wearing a hat, but if I if I was, I t- I tip it off and take it off to Bailey Zappi. You're on mute, I bro. think the other thing is <laughs> the experience. You were so excited. No, no,
1: no. I think the other thing is that, you know, this offense was just still coming together period, you know, so I don't know how much of that we can count against Mac Jones. Um, you know, they're starting to look a little bit better now, um, but yeah, I mean, you get a 300 yard passing day out of, you know, Bailey Zappy. I mean, we'll take it. I thought it was nice, you know, um, you know, for the receivers today. I mean, whenever you see Hunter Henry out there with an 80, 83% route participation, even with Jonu Smith back, okay. Jonu Smith was only out there 15%. So Hunter Henry gave you 16.1 fantasy points in a PPR. Tyquan Thornton, Ian, gave you 21.3 points in a fantasy uh, in a PPR scoring league. He was out there for 73% of the routes today with Kendrick Bourne injured early in the game. Um, and then I think, and then we also had... Um, God, who else was, uh, Nelson Aguilar was inactive. So it was a kind of a, we'll see folks. Like, I don't know if Taquan Thornton will continue to get this kind of role. I think it'll probably be more of a rotation because you had one receiver out and then one receiver got hurt very early in the game. And the only other receiver they had active besides Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker, was a special teamer in Matthew Slater. So Taquan Thornton kind of had to play today, but he did nice man out there for 73% of the routes. Um, also got um, uh, 10% of the rushing attempts today um, came up with, you know, four, uh, what was it? Sorry. Yeah. He came up with four receptions for 37 yards and a touchdown, 16 rushing yards and a touchdown. So wanted to hit him. Cause I know we'll get a lot of questions about him. People probably wondering, do I pick him up on the wire? I mean, it's always it's still a rookie, right? It's a rookie that showed something nice. I just worry that he'll be back in a rotation with these other guys once they're healthy.
0: Thornton did score a rushing touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson had two rushing touchdowns, just completely took over the backfield. Not much to talk about with the backfield because it's exactly what we thought it was going to be, the Ramondre Stevenson RB1 show. 85% of snaps, 19 carries, and five targets. Kevin Harris did work just slightly ahead of Pierre Strong, but really, it just was solely Ramondre. And good for him, man. Again, PFF's third highest graded running back on the season going into this week. Didn't see anything to suggest that's going anywhere anytime soon. Over these last two weeks, Ramondre has taken 44 of the 52 backfield carries and seven of the eight overall targets. And that's including like the ones that Damien Harris still had a little bit. So truly it is Stevenson and nobody else in this backfield. I'm happy you did mention uh, Hunter Henry just continuing to have that high snap rate and route rate, which is the only thing that matters as we know with tight ends and wide receivers uh, with John U. Smith back in the picture. credit to John did have a 53 yard catch and run, but the Henry performance and Stevenson for that matter could have been uh, even bigger. The only shoes I had on the Patriots side of things is they got to the one yard line on like a dpi in the end zone stevenson got stuffed at the goal line twice then hunter henry actually did catch a touchdown unfortunately it was illegal touching because he went out of bounds first so hey 38 points from this patriots offense we talked about earlier in the year just they were i think outside the top 20 scoring offenses last year they were sixth. really starting to look more and more like that unit from last season where we can't when we where when we can get this condensed volume we can feel a lot better about it in fantasy land On the other side of things, Dwayne Jacoby Brissett, Easily his worst game of the season. Now he did pass 235 yards for the first time all year. So he did get some counting stats, specifically a nice little touchdown to Amari Cooper and David Njoku gave us another 58 yards. To be fair, Jacoby, the Browns did drop a week high five passes, but man, he also had a week high five turnover worthy plays. And through six games, he now has just six touchdowns, 29th among 38 QBs in yards per attempt and adjusted completion rate alike. Unfortunately, Dwayne, it's just one of these things where with Amari Cooper, with David Najoku as long as Jacoby is under center they're going to be more boomer bust assets than we would like and I think we can all accept that with Najoku and Amari Cooper the problem is games like this for Nick Chubb who as we see you know with your again fancy dancy beyond the box score utilization courtesy of the fine folks at PFF we do see Nick Chubb in a game like this where the Browns were trailing unfortunately kind of get himself game scripted off the field
1: Yeah. And so we uh, really hope to see like more out of Kareem Hunt, like in a game like this, but we didn't. He still only came up with 1.2 fantasy points today, but he was definitely out there quite a bit. You know, he had 43% of the snaps. Nick Chubb came down to 44%. We did have Dearness Johnson active, though. So when you have Dearness Johnson active, like he's not going to give you anything, but it's just enough, like to kind of kind of throws a wrench right into the other two guys. So Dearness Johnson had 13% of the snaps today. Um, so with Kareem Hunt, though, like he still has the role that we think that he has. He had 100% of the – or 82% of the two-minute offense, 72% of the long down-and-distance. He had 80% of the short down-and-distance stuff today, and he had 100% of the snaps inside the 10-yard line. So um, he was he was out there plenty. We didn't get the result. Um, this is the kind of game stripped if you have Kareem Hunt you've been waiting on. And then so when you get it and it doesn't work, it's kind of like a couple of the week, you know, here weeks in the past where we talked about travis Etienne, we're like no this was the game script like how can he not score that's what's going on with cream hunt i look weird things just happen sometimes like you expect nick chubb to be less in a game like this and he was but these are the games usually where you get 15 20 points out of cream hunt so i wouldn't sweat it the usage is still there just didn't come through um you already mentioned in joku i just will mention like he continues to be out there plenty as far as the routes and stuff go Amari cooper man i know he didn't come through in the box score but still a 29 percent target share today ian he had 14 targets I mean, he had 12 targets. He had four receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown. He just wasn't efficient. And so I think the things with this Browns offense, going back to Jacoby Brissett is it's just better when everything's working, right? Whenever they can be more efficient. Like today they had um, total plays on offense. Looks like now this includes penalties, but 70, 52 of them were passes. They have not been in a game script yet like this. And I think once a team knows that they're having to throw and Amari Cooper is the main thing you got to worry about, he still got his targets, but it looks like they were, you know, not easy targets, right, for him to be dealing with. Like, I, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, catchable passes, only 50%. Only 50% of his passes today were catchable. So he might have been seeing some brackets, some different things. They were still trying to go to him, but it just didn't work out. He still, I mean, he gave you 14.4 fantasy points on a bad week. I think that's good. Um, I mean, I've upgraded Amari a couple weeks in a row now. Um, and I think seeing this kind of performance, even though he didn't have the big game, like the target still being there and the kind of volume that could be there. Not not every defense is going to be able to be like the Patriots. And in a game script like this really just hold Amari down. So I think overall it's a positive for him.
0: Only final two notes. Uh, David Njoku did let a possible 23-yard touchdown go off his hands. It would have been a really nice contested catch. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was a flat-out drop, but just know he was a lot closer to you know getting on the score sheet on his own. And I did look at, at the Dearness Johnson because he had two targets. Both the targets came on the game's final drive when I think they just had straight-up you know third string in there, basically, along with Jacoby. So doesn't look like Dearness is actively factoring into the snaps when it matters, which is obviously good. Always want to keep those committees hey. at two when we can.
1: We have one great question in the chat just while we're on this team. Um, crazy Watson. Gideon. Yeah. yeah. Deshaun Watson, is he worth stashing? If you have a good record, but you've got someone like Rodgers or Stafford, if you're in a deep league, the, the answer is yes. Like I went in and picked up Deshaun Watson everywhere last weekend. And the reason why is also just because of the way this weekend, this year's working out from a fantasy perspective is like if you don't have Josh Allen, you don't have Jalen Hurts, you don't have Lamar Jackson, you're kind of screwed. And so if you're sitting on a Stafford, not when we have teams like this together, Ian, like not to make it about our teams, but I had several where I went in and got Watson because we have this exact scenario. And you have to be thinking forward, especially if you're playing in a big contest like the FFPC or any of these other national-like events. I think you definitely in those leagues have got to go after Watson now. Just remember the bye weeks are all here. So you got to kind of – it can be tough to figure out who you're going to cut And, you know, what are you going to do next week, you know, with the next teams that get here on the bye? But I think if you can be forward thinking and you can make a move to get Watson, I do think it's worth it. I think the Browns offense has shown enough that I think it's probably going to be a pretty good environment for Watson when he returns.
0: I believe Watson's still one of only five or six quarterbacks in NFL history, averaging at least 20 fantasy points per game. So, yeah. When he is out there, when he is right, he really is on that level with Josh Allen's, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes' of the world at scoring fantasy points, specifically. Only injury from this one. Before we move on, Kendrick Bourne did suffer a toe injury, so if he is going to miss some time, that would make it easier to get behind guys like Tyquan Thornton, like like uh, Devontae Parker more consistently. And hey, it was good to see uh, Jacoby Myers. Four catches, 60 yards, even even though he only had four targets. Should have more you know target hog days, like we're used to seeing ahead of us. Moving right along, we had the Falcons take down the 40 Niners 28 to 14, covering easily as a three and a half point home dog under cash at 45 and a half points. So it's it's interesting, in Atlanta, Dwayne. As much as we want to sit here and yell at Arthur Smith, and we will trust me, like you know, just come on, throw the ball to Kyle Pitts and Drake London already, man. We don't ask for much, but damn it, Dwayne, he's doing a good job. I mean, these Falcons are three and three, they're a top 10 offense in points, they're a top six offense in EPA per play, the sixth-ranked offense in the league, and they're 10th per pass and their fourth per run. They are doing things that I think if Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or a different coach was doing that we have more accepted, I think we'd be making a bigger deal about. So far on the season, league high, 37% pistol rate. Only Baltimore and Seattle are even at 10%. The most two running back formations in the league. Play action, Dwayne, league low, 46.9%. This is a funky, unique offense, and it's weird. We have a bunch of running backs in there. We don't know who the ball is going to and it kind of works man on the year 26 27 27 23 15 most recently 28 points so just you know we'll, we'll get into the annoyance that is not having Kyle Pitts and Drake London get five freaking targets in a 60 minute football game Dwayne but hats off to Arthur Smith his job is to score points and they have been doing that more than we expected them to do
1: yeah the problem with Arthur Smith has never been anything schematic right? I mean, play action targets are worth more than non-play action targets. This offense uses as much play action as anyone. They do a nice job of setting things up, you know, with this heavy running game. I would argue having any two of Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley, and Avery Williams on the field together is probably a minus, but whatever, like we're probably nitpicking. Um, The biggest thing with this offense, you know, is you need the efficiency to be there because the volume is so low, man. Like, I mean, we just do not get a lot of plays out of this offense, uh, Marcus Mariota was on the field for only 58 snaps today. And again, that's including penalties. So it's probably something more like 53, 54, something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't really have any issues with Arthur Smith schematically. In fact, like last year, we talked about him being the guy that finally unlocked, um, Corderell Patterson. That's why it's so surprising that he can't, you know, the, the thing we have a dif- we have difficulty with is just letting, not even that. Every target has to go to your players, but at least let them be on the damn field, right? (laughs) Let Kyle Pitts be on the field. Let Drake London be on the field, and we did get that this weekend, so – 84% route participation from Kyle Pitts, despite only being out there for 57% of the snaps. We don't care about snaps, just like you said earlier, for the receivers and for the tight ends. We just want to know what the route participation is. He saw a 21% target share. Drake London, who we saw dip down into the 60% range last week, was out there for 89% of the routes this weekend. So that's good. Still only came up with seven fantasy points, but a 29% target share. Drake London like from a target share perspective like if this offense ever has to open it up like if, if another team can force them to do that wow like we could have a really we, we're going to have some big games out of Drake London because he's demanding so many targets he's he's the lead guy here and it, it's not question there's nothing there's I mean there's no debate like it's not close between him and Kyle Pitts like if we're going based off the six games we have so far it's like Drake London hang on wait wait, wait, now Kyle Pitts. Now we got Kyle Pitts. So, of course, Oledi, uh, Olamide Zaccheaus, you know, you got to get him involved, too. Yeah. Got to. You got to. You got to keep <laughs> him equally involved as uh, Drake London out there. But yeah,
0: the big problem, Marcus Mariota, just 14 pass attempts. This is the league's most run-heavy offense, more weeks than nine, And I think they're going to continue to be. Why? Because it's working. 49ers were being lauded as one of the best defenses in the league. I know 49ers fans, a whole bunch of injuries out there. I think at one point, uh, you know, they were down basically five starters at, uh, you know, during the second or third quarter based on what they're used to seeing but hey gotta give the falcons a little bit of credit here so on the other side of the ball um several actually yeah so quickly the sheesh in this one caleb huntley did almost score a touchdown he got down to the one yard line from the five before they decided to go elsewhere and then on the 49er side of the ball i did have a chunk game wiped out by a holding penalty would have cleared 100 yards with ease if he had had that ray ray mcleod you know great godson of the former uh world earth savior fox mccloud the universe savior i should say got wide open deep for what could have been a 50 yard gain unfortunately went just off his hands downfield rare awesome pearl downfield from jimmy g couldn't quite get it we've got back to seeing the jimmy g were used to slandering when he missed a wide open george kittle for what would have been an 18 yard touchdown the good news Dwayne, with the 49ers trailing we got to see 41 pass attempts from jimmy garoppolo and accordingly we had the first game all season that each of ayuk kittle and debo samuel were able to go off the million dollar question, can we actually expect this to continue or are we unfortunately going to have a lot more just bust to go along with these seldom booms for guys like Kittle, like Ayuk as complimentary options in a run heavy offense?
1: Yeah, you just had Jimmy G forced to pass today. I mean, 60 snaps and 45 of them were passing plays. That's just not normally what we see from the 49ers. So that helped. But I mean, everything really is still the same. Otherwise, like George Kittle, I know some people were concerned talking about blocking and stuff. I never none of that showed up in the route participation like at all this year. I never got point. that
0: storyline. How'd that even start, man? Like, I, I don't either. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I don't know who started it or where it came from. But like 96% route participation participation today, and it's kind of been right around that. It's been in the 90s the whole year. So um, I don't know. Sometimes I think people are watching. You happen to see the one play where he does like pass block or something, you know, and I've, and then you're thinking, oh, that's why Georgia Kittle's not scoring. I, mean, I don't know. But yeah, 23% target share today. You would love to see it. That was still third on the team. Debo was at 26%. Ayuk was at 28%. So this is the kind of thing we could see from this offense we can see all three guys involved. It just worked out a little better today because they had to throw the ball 45 times. Normally this is the team that might drop back to pass 30 times in a game. So you got a lot of extra opportunities in the passing game today for those three. Um, But, you know, when you get, when you get games like this, they can, they can always come through because they're all good players unfortunately, Jeff Wilson, mostly game scripted off in this one. Still led the way into
0: backfield. 51% snaps for Jeff. 21% for Tevin Coleman. Just 2% for a returning Tyrion Davis Price off that high ankle sprain. But yeah, just seven carries for Jeff Wilson. One target. He did lose a fumble. That guy immediately brought back for a touchdown. So before I jerk off the Falcons offense too much, I should mention that, you know, they did get a defensive score there uh, in the point total. But for Jeff Wilson, it's just one of those things where, hey, if the 49ers are going to fall behind a trail like this. Yeah, we're not going to see you know him put a much production with that said i would be surprised if a kyle shanahan coach team is going to only gain a total of 50 rushing yards on the ground uh too many days moving forward uh just quickly so this season man the one thing that has been missing from this offense is just big plays man they have nobody to stretch the field and again they tried to at ray Ray mcleod and jimmy g put it out there but brandon Nayuk, debo samuel and george kittle combined have one reception on passes thrown at least twenty yards downfield this season. As a team, they only have four. That's tied with the Titans and the Rams for the second lowest in the NFL. Somehow, the five and one New York Giants have just one completion on passes thrown twenty yards downfield all season, but it's working. So screw it. I uh, would note Brandon Ige scored two touchdowns. The first one was on a screen. Second one, he just ran a whip route on the artist formerly known as Ace Cover Corner AJ Terrell. Unfortunately, and I hope Terrell's hamstring is okay, that actually happened on the Ray Ray playoff keep bringing up AJ Terrell this year, NFL high seven touchdowns allowed in his coverage. It is only week six. Not a great stat to be a part of right there. Final note before we move on, we did have Debo Samuel Dwayne forced nine missed tackles. As a receiver, I think that's a PFF record, man. The overall for a game period is uh, Damian Pierce. He said it last week was 17, uh, which was wild. Kenneth Walker had 12 today. We see the ball carriers like get into the double digits, but nine missed tackles in one game for Debo purely on his receptions is absolutely wild and just goes to show you how good Debo Samuel is. Moving right along, we had a blowout in Lambo, Not the team you thought it might be, though. Jets 27, Packers 10. Jets covering easily as a seven-and-a-half-point dog, undercashing at 45. So just, you know, we, we talk about it every week, Dwayne, but how good is Zach Wilson, man? Okay, fine. We got to talk about Brees Hall <laughs> a little bit here. But just another game that really just asserts Brees Hall as an RB1. I think it was after week Four that we really saw, you know, the switch happen. And it's just here more than ever, man. 66% snaps. Okay. It's not the most like 2021 Najee Harris snap rate in the world, but 20 carries, two targets. Michael Carter had just six carries and one target. Brees Hall at this point is the heart and soul of this Jets offense. And he looks damn good doing it. 5.1 yards per carry, 14th among 54 qualified running backs. He's 10th in yards after contact per attempt. And the receiving goodness, even if we didn't see it much this game, even Beyond the you know, broken coverage, big wheel route for 80 yards has been impressive. Only three running backs this year, averaging at least two yards per route run. Derrick Henry and Doncho Hilliard, the two Titans guys, and then Brees Hall. So, just a special performance from Brees Hall, Dwayne. And I guess, at least, the question like, this dude, if we just had to draft tomorrow for the rest of the season, he'd definitely be an RB1. The question is, like, how high would you be willing to go?
1: Yeah, I mean, Brees Hall is the reason why you don't draft scared. I mean, you know, you can't sit here and worry about crap like, you know, a fourth round pick from the last year. Like we like Michael Carter, but like we knew how good Brees Hall was. Right. I mean, so it's. Just a it's a reminder, right? And you're not going to hit on all these. Like, you kind of take the same approach with a guy like Travis Etienne, and it hasn't been as good. But they check the boxes, explosive playmakers. They can catch passes. They have good draft capital. They're still young. Um, those are the kind of guys that you can get in rounds four, five, and six of your drafts, and they have a chance to be like first-round picks. So just remember this. Brees Hall's another great example. He's playing really well. Um, 67% of the snaps today, 49% Carter's still out there. Like Carter's just not getting the touches, you know, Carter's getting snaps, but they're mostly empty right now. So it's, it's every week looks like a good week for Brees Hall real quick, real quick. I know you started off with Zach Wilson, but it is, you know, and look today, they, they only, they only dropped back to pass 22 times. They ran 55 plays. So they were running the ball a lot today. Um because they were leading pretty much the whole game. Like there was a pick six right out of the gate, you know, um by Sauce Gardner. That got you know, nullified on, though.
0: That got nullified. Oh yeah,
1: that's right. It did get nullified. Um a pick but sheesh. They, a pick sheesh. Yeah, yeah, playing. you did have a big sheesh. Um, but they led or they were tied, like I don't know, I have it, I don't have it in front of me now, but it was like sixty percent of the plays total. Um, so it was, it was just a situation where they didn't have to throw much. And the, but the problem is like, they're still, even in a neutral situation, they're not throwing the ball above league expectations anymore. We were seeing that with Joe Flacco. They could be in a game and be within three points and it's this, and then they would still be throwing the ball. We're not seeing that anymore with Zach Wilson. So that was a question we had about once this change happened. And now I think we've seen enough of the games that if they get a chance to really not throw the ball much, they're just not going to do it. And we continue to see a three-way rotation. Um, Corey Davis was out there for 95% of the routes, but Elijah Moore, man, only 68% didn't see a target. Garrett Wilson, only 64% route participation. Braxton Berrios got out there for 27%. Uh, and Garrett Wilson, like, you can't let go. Like he's still, he's amazing. Like his target share, 31%, you know, his uh, targets per route run 38% today, despite only being out there 64% of the time. So we know it's a guy that can do it, but the conditions right now are definitely not optimal for the jets pass receivers. I'm sad you didn't mention Jeff Smith's weekly, like eight snaps and
0: his one or two routes out there. (laughs) It wasn't okay. Sorry, nine percent route participation (laughs) for Jeff Smith. We can't leave him out. (laughs) Love it, love it. I do not love Elijah Moore getting completely goose egged. And he even responded to something on Instagram or some type of social media, basically saying, like, I'm all about the team. Team win. I'm pumped, but I hear you. I wish I was getting involved as well. But I'm not worried I'm about the team. But I also wish I, you know, one of those things. And yeah, know exactly where he's coming from. Dude just wants to help his team win. Don't think he's gonna get too many chances to though because that's life when you do have this run first offense and just 18 pass attempts for Zach Wilson. What's wild to me though, Dwayne, is that this season Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore have outscored Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios by only 4.3 PPR points. Like that's how freaking close it's been between the perceived three and four wide receivers that are being drafted. How many damn rounds after Elijah and Garrett and Hey, guess what Braxton we saw at the end of last year as well. The guy can make plays return all pro return man last year. Corey Davis got paid 30 million plus for a reason as well. Not trying to completely shit on him, but I'm with you. Garrett Wilson. Yes. Way too talented. What about Elijah Moore, though, Dwayne? People are out here in 10-man leagues. We got bye weeks. Are we done with Elijah? Well,
1: look, I mean, I get it. In a 10-man league, I think, uh, look, I I still don't believe that all of a sudden Elijah Moore is not talented, like after what we saw, right? And then what we saw, you know, of him in college. Like, there, I, I just refuse to believe that. But... Having said that, like I get it when you look at the Jets offense and you look at the fact that they want to be a more run balanced team now. They don't want to be pass heavy early in like they were early in the year. Early in the year, even again, like when the games were you know close, they didn't have to be trailing, they were still throwing the ball a lot. Um, and now that's all changed. This looks more, much more like what we expected the Jets offense to look like. It's, it looks more like a 49ers off, like the offense we just talked about. It looks much more like the 49ers, and that just puts a squeeze, man. It puts a squeeze on everybody, but I will say, Elijah Moore could easily be the guy that pops up next week and does the Brandon Ayuk thing. Like He's good. He's a good player, but this this limited route stuff, 68%. This is the first time this year Elijah Moore's been down like this in the route, so I don't know what's going on with that. I don't want to pretend, but I get it if someone's in a 10-team league, you know. When I see Elijah Moore drop, like my my gut reaction is figure out. I'm trying to figure out how do I pick him up. But I understand why some people want to move on. But what about you, man? Like I don't think a guy this talented just all of a sudden becomes not good. I think he's running really badly, Um, and it could be a bad season overall. But my gut still says like at some point, like this guy's going to show up this season.
0: It's just a horrific offensive environment for the passing game, and as much as we want to look at, you know, oh, just say like, hey, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Metcalf waddle Lockett, like oh we just should have trusted the talent that's been a common thing i see all over twitter with any of these wide receivers and yeah i'm not saying we shouldn't have b- boosted those guys up a little bit but i'm not gonna sit here and say that dj moore terry McLaurin, deontay johnson and elijah moore aren't talented i just think they're dealing with unfortunately offenses that are not throwing the ball a- around as much and when you have zach wilson under center in an offense with a bunch of other really good receivers i do think that elijah like garrett unfortunately i just wouldn't be like i don't think i'm going to be ranking either of them Inside the top 24 at any point for the rest of the season. That's okay. We need flexes. We need wide receiver threes. I just think their ceiling is capped as long as Corey Davis continues to lead this freaking franchise in receiving yards. So it is what it is. Adjust your expectations. Yeah. All right, on the other side of the ball, we do need to definitely adjust our expectations. Over here, your Green Bay Packers, 17.8 points per game this season from the offense. They have never averaged under 20 since 2008 with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. So, man, Rodgers, man, we see a couple of the throws, Dwayne, the dime downfield, you know, down the sideline to, to Dobbs. Like, it's not like Rodgers' arm is shot or anything like that. I don't know. We had the rap sheet report before the game just saying defenses aren't respecting the deep ball. And to be fair, I mean, they had the 135 yard incredible catch down the sideline from Alan Lazard. Otherwise, they did not have a completion longer than 16 yards on the entire game. So it's it's just wild, man. I'm surprised we're this far in the season and the Packers offense can still look this broken for extended periods. Do you have a, a clue for how to switch it? If you know Rogers gives you a call here after the podcast is over?
1: <laughs> yeah, they need to go sign a freaking receiver. They need to go <laughs> trade for DJ Moore. They need to do something. Like you're burning a a Hall of Fame career or a Hall of Fame you know quarterback. You're burning one year of his career here. Like you only get so many of these, and the Packers are just throwing it away. Like I mean, when you have alan Lazard, Romeo Dubs, and you have Robert tonyan like tonyan like dude, like you're not going to score a lot of points. You're just not. Even if you're Aaron Rodgers, you know. I know they're trying to use the ground game. They're trying to do all these other things, but everything we thought about Aaron Jones potentially being more involved, you know, uh, based on the Devonte Adams splits, all that kind of stuff. None of that's come to fruition. Like today, you know, you saw um, Aaron Jones out there for 53% of the routes. He had a 9% target share. Like, so I don't know. I think that's the easy way get, get Aaron Jones more involved in the passing game. Like he's an explosive playmaker. We've seen him do it multiple times in the past. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like they are, they need a weapon. They need another weapon to help all these other weapons be better. Like, you can basically take away everything they have. Like, the defenses are not scared. They know Aaron Rodgers is good, but the weapons don't scare them. And kind of like what we talked about in the preseason, like, the best bet on this team was that there wasn't going to be anyone even get to a 20% target share. Like that would be the high. And that's kind of been what we've seen. Like an Alan Lazard came through because he scored a touchdown again today, but he's like an 18, 20% target share guy. He's scoring touchdowns and that's saving these box scores. Romeo, though, I mean, he had a 20% target share today, didn't score a touchdown. What does that look like? 6.1 fantasy points. So it's a a problematic situation. I will say uh, Robert Tunyon, though, a season high in 74% route participation. I don't know. I don't know for sure that that sticks but it has been trending up over the last 3 games. We know that he had, you know, he was starting the season, you know, coming off of a serious injury, you know, he wasn't really practicing in training camp until the very end. Um so I maybe it's something that sticks, but we also know this is a Packers team that loves to rotate these guys. So some of it could just have to do with the trailing game script today for the Packers. You know, they ran 69 plays, 49 nice. of them were passing plays shout out hazelnut
0: 22 with obj suggestion we are on obj panda watch you know with him allegedly coming back into the picture here in november will fuller i I just cry now every single time i think about that dude and what he might be doing these days and of course you know i'm not going to go down the odd and Tate road of things but they actually now need dwayne another wide receiver more than ever because unfortunately randall cobb Ha ha! Laugh all you want. Randall Cobb's been playing really well this year, and he's gotten really ingrained in three wide receiver sets after he had such a great start to the year. And he unfortunately got carted off with an ankle injury. The X-rays came back negative. He's going to undergo an MRI for a potential high ankle sprain doesn't sound good so if Cobb's out of the picture man it really could help these other guys just be a little bit more consistent Cobb was leading this team in receiving yards before this week I know I sent out a tweet with him Corey Davis a couple of the other ones that just made no sense and we were surprised but it was the reality of the situation so uh, with Cobb out of the picture you can feel a little bit better about Dobbs and uh, Lazard I still just see Rodgers in this offense grooving a little bit better because again like under 20 points per game for Rodgers and the Packers. Just is tough to believe but for now it's just getting tough and really does hold true with that backfield because Dwayne, we were seeing a decent trend over these last you know four or five weeks and i know uh you know some of the game script had some to do with it with jones really starting to work more so ahead of aj dylan but just with how effective aaron jones has been on the ground i thought they were going back to the well with him a little bit more did not see that here today with jones only having a 58 to 48 snap lead um over aj dylan there look I think Dylan is someone we've obviously been fine dropping out of, you know, this kind of mid-tier upside RB2 conversation. But how much longer, Dwayne, until we start treating Aaron Jones like the RB2 his utilization says he is?
1: Uh, You know, I mean, I've I've been ranking him pretty much as a high-end RB2, you know, to a mid-range RB2 over the last couple of weeks. Actually, since you and I first talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, like Dylan is really problematic because you know he's not today. He did have some targets, but like the targets have been a little bit more shaky. Um, you know, uh, and if the if the Packers are getting in these games where now all of a sudden they're trailing, that really, you know, that hurts his upside because that's where he can have the fifteen carry games. Right? Today he had ten, which was. Decent for the way the game worked out. He was lucky to get to ten. You had nine for Aaron for Aaron Jones. So yeah, I think Aaron Jones. That's what he is. He's a mid-range to high-end, you know, RB two. But he could he could definitely be an RB one, right, in any week, like because of the efficiency that he has to offer. But this is just going to be something that's split for the rest of the season. I think we're going to see it kind of bounce around here or there. Um, but unless we get a really strong trend, like I think it's tough for us to assume that the next week that we really have any clue what these, what they're going to do with these two. I think it's pretty, just need to assume that it's going to be somewhere close to even between them with Aaron Jones, getting the slight lead in the passing game, AJ Dillon getting the slight lead on the ground
0: right now it is just a slight lead. The bet on Aaron Jones being a top 10, top five, however high you wanted to rank him running back in the offseason was that he would be the clear leader in targets, and it just hasn't even come close to happening, man. On the season, Romeo Dobbs, 38 targets. Alan Lazard, 33. Has missed a little bit of time there. Robert Tunyon, 31. Randall Cobb, 24. Fifth damn place on his own team is Aaron Jones with 23 targets. And A.J. Dillon's at 18 right behind him. So it really just has been, Jones, you go out here, we're going to run our offense. Dillon, you come out here, we're not going to change much unfortunate i would note that again sauce Gardner had to pick sheesh and he did get hurt for a little bit you know obviously having a great year he was fine fine enough to be walking off the field uh, with a cheese head on top of him uh i loved alan lazard going i do too Come on, give that alan was Lazar, awesome.
1: i yeah. give him i give him props for that for sure
0: <laughs> that's the
1: only reason i wrote that i was like dwayne's guy to give alan lazard a little bit of prop here for uh, dude i i loved it i, I loved but, the whole thing i love that sauce Gardner did it i love that lazard ran by and knocked the cheese off of say that i thought it was great Colts took down the Jaguars exciting AFC South matchup
0: 34 27 covering as a one and a half point favorite over cash with ease at just 41 points. So, There you go, Matt Ryan. You know, I have found as many stats, not to slander Matt Ryan, these have been accurate stats, but just stats pointing out how he's been the most turnover-prone quarterback in the NFL and one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this season. Not today, 389 passing yards, three touchdowns, not a single interception or sack, Dwayne. Just, I, I can't get over that. Zero sacks out there for Matt Ryan. Great job keeping care of the ball in a game where they didn't have Jonathan Taylor. They didn't have Naeem Hines. Matt Ryan had to go out there, throw the ball 58 times i think he had like 37 pass attempts at halftime and hey he got all the guys involved michael Pittman had 134 yards Deion jackson obvious rb one of the universe 10 catches 79 yards paris campbell scored a touchdown paris freaking campbell in the year 2022 scored a touchdown alec pierce had the game winner and of course you know big ass man jelani woods scored another one so this was interesting Dwayne. the problem is i don't ever see another situation of matt ryan throwing the ball 58 times once jonathan taylor is back but At least for a week, man, we saw that the 2022 version of Matt Ryan isn't necessarily washed enough to completely dud guys like Michael Pittman and maybe even someone like Alec Pierce. Do you have some numbers, though, on these other wide receivers? Because as we know, sometimes we do see guys like Alec Pierce score a nice touchdown, but unfortunately still be a pretty clear number three option in their own passing game.
1: Yeah, so Pierce was out there for 70% of the routes today, but he's been trending in the right direction. That's about where he was last last week, so he's kind of holding right there. I still think he eventually takes over for Paris Campbell. Um, Paris Campbell had a nice day today. He was out there hundred percent of the routes, and he actually came through with a nineteen percent target share, eighteen point seven PPR points today for Paris Campbell, which was solid. Like that's by far like he's been invisible. Like Campbell's target share, you know, on the season was like sub ten percent for a guy being out there all the time. I still think Pierce takes him over. Like his targets per route run. Over the last three weeks before this had been twenty-five percent, thirty-five percent, twenty-five percent, despite being a little bit limited. Today it wasn't quite as good at seventeen percent, but I just I feel like he's the better weapon and I feel like you know if you put him outside you know you've got two guys that can stretch the field or work underneath I feel like Paris Campbell's a little bit more limited but we'll see I mean he's still Campbell is still in the lead for right now I wouldn't be super excited about adding Campbell I know he's pretty much released everywhere even like in the deep leagues like we play in at FFPC I'm not going to be making a big concerted effort to go try to add Paris Campbell back Um, but you know I mean he is still holding on to the starting job for now
0: and that was kind of the point there. Don't too overreact to guys like Campbell, like Pierce scoring in this one. I do think this was probably gonna be the most prolific day from this Colts passing attack throughout the season. But really good news just for Michael Pittman, someone that came out of the season on fire. We were all, you know, patting ourselves on the back just for ranking him as high as we did. You know, two or three straight duds for him. So again, just seeing this passing attack back in good graces after that horrific Thursday night football game we all had to watch uh, you know two weeks ago good to see from the entire Colts offense uh, on the Jaguars side of things good comeback for them as well I mean this was an offense that looked really broken weeks four and five and even though I don't think Trevor Lawrence went out there and necessarily proved that he is going to be you know the quote-unquote generational prospect he was always lauded to be 20 for 22 out there he ran efficient offense and ultimately they were able to score 27 points but unfortunately Unfortunately, Dwayne, we just don't get condensed targets in this passing game. Doug Peterson came out. I thought we maybe had the squeaky wheel. Gets the grease narrative, hyping up Christian Kirk, saying he needs 8, 9, 10, 11 targets. Unfortunately, he only got five out there. And it's not like they were prioritizing anyone else. Evan Ingram had a team-high six targets Zay Jones was right there with him at five. I think it was just a game where Lawrence only had 22 pass attempts. But the problem is, Dwayne, we've now seen really – what, four of the six weeks of them not going out of their way to feature Christian Kirk. After the first two weeks of the year, I thought we were looking at a weekly upside wide receiver two in full PPR and maybe even a wide receiver one if things kept going the way they were. Now I really, and I already kind of did this last week. I think he was my wide receiver 24 going into the week, but I don't think Kirk is someone that needs to be jammed inside your top 24 necessarily, especially if we do find some games where we're convinced that Trevor Lawrence isn't going to have to keep his foot on the gas in the passing game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still fine. He still leads them in targets most weeks. I mean, he had 23% today, and Evan Ingram led the way with 27%. Um, You know, you didn't have Marvin Jones today, so it was a little more condensed. You had Zay Jones was back. Like, last week, we had Zay Jones out. Um, I I still think that Kirk's the lead, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think you got to be, like, in a rush to to jam him inside your top 24, but... I mean, just looking at the rest of the receivers, you know, around the league, I still think there's, you're going to be hard pressed, I think, to not have him like right there, at least at the edge of that. Like, I still think of him better than I think of most of the wide receiver threes, um, you know, and he surprised me this year. I thought he would be a wide receiver three, but he has me thinking he's still probably a low end wide receiver two at worst because 23% target share, like I said, is not bad. Like, I can live with that. You know, the problem is today, they just didn't need to throw the ball. They didn't, not that they didn't need to, but the way they ran their offense, they ran plenty of plays they scored points, but they didn't, they didn't throw a lot. Like they only dropped back to pass 32 times. Uh, I think you said it turned into 22 attempts. So he was getting sacked or scrambling a lot out of those. He had four sacks. Okay. Yeah. So 10 of those turned into either a sack or a scramble for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, But 26, you know, the plays were run plays. So, I mean, that's pretty balanced. So, uh, you know, you need to be up around, you know, if you get that up around 40, you know, then that changes things a little bit, but The thing for me, Evan Ingram, another day where he's over 80% route participation. uh, The second week in a row where he led the team in target share. So, I mean, Evan Ingram, you know, Ian, as you like to say, in a different simulation, like probably a tight end one. Like, you know, if we go back historically and we look at players that have done this, like they're pretty much always a tight end one. It's like 90% of the time since 2011. If you're over 80% of the routes and you're getting an 18 to 20% targets per route run, he had a 25% today like you're a top 12 tight end and a, and a player with his athletic profile like has a chance and, and he doesn't necessarily have all that he used to have but again i wouldn't get overly crazy about it like because to your point like they continue to spread it out like and there have been definite weeks where even though ingram has been out there plenty like it's all gone to marvin jones and zay jones and christian kirk right and evan ingram's really been an afterthought and at some point right some point like they actually have to get like Travis Etienne really involved in the passing game. They still haven't. Only a nine percent target share today. Um, You know the the roles are really still the same. Travis Etienne's getting all the two minute offense. Travis Etienne's getting all the long down and distance. Of course, we have Jamichael Hasty out there getting oh carries. Six percent rush attempts, but uh, not just carries.
0: It, Dwayne fourth and one carries. Fourth and yeah. one.
1: Yeah. So James Robinson, like he's stealing James Robinson. Yeah, he had eighteen percent of the short down and distance. That fourth and one. Uh, so that hurts James Robinson, actually, because that was never Travis Etienne's role. That that was James Robinson's. So it's a, it's interesting, you know, but this is the Doug Peterson thing. Like he's done this for a long time, you know, D- to me, Travis Etienne is probably not showing enough that he's really just like this guy that has to keep everyone off the field. I put part of this on Etienne, not just on Doug Peterson, you know, what because and to be to honest, do? like, well, I mean, I think Etienne, like he's been nice, but like when I watch him, like ETN doesn't make me just. I, I know he shows up in a lot of the stats we like, but you know Looks like he we shot still have a
0: cannon, bro. Well,
1: yeah, today when he had a huge lane like that, I mean you didn't have to do anything on that. He play, had a huge
0: but, lane. Are we talking about the same guy that's been Hasty and Robinson's moniker all year well, long? Well,
1: yeah, no, I well I get it, but we've also we've also called that out. About Robinson and Hasty, so I mean it was the same for ETN his big run today, and that like how do you get caught? Like you're the explosive, most explosive guy on the field. Like how do you get ran down on that? I was like, damn it, ran out of gas. Like I wanted the touchdown, but um, it's still a split. It's just a three way split. Like ETN though, the thing for him is the game scripts are working out like we thought they were going to originally. Like they're you know. It's a situation where they're either in a close game or they're trailing. They're not leading like they were early on in the year, and that's what's hurting James Robinson because he needs that leading script and he's got to score the touchdowns or he's going to give you six and a half fantasy points.
0: I'm not going to go through all the stats that Dwayne already admitted that show that ETN has been more efficient. Oh, than I, yeah, I've house, seen it. And I saw your tweet. I saw yeah, it's, it. It is, it, to your point, it would have been nice if ETN could have gotten that house call, but it's just wild, man, because I, I sit here and we've said this you know, over the years, Dwayne, we're very good about not taking away players' big plays, but I really don't know if there have been two easier touchdown runs this year, objectively, than Hasty going for 61 and then yeah. Robinson's you know, 50-yarder against the Chargers a few weeks ago. So, hey, they were on the field. They got those. I don't know why Jamaikal Hasty was on the field for fourth and one today. Maybe that's why the hole was as big as it was because the defense uh, was thinking the same thing. That's why, uh, you know, we got Doug Peterson doing his thing. I will. I career. will
1: say when I see yards after contact for ETN, it makes me question our stats. Like, because when I watch ETN, like he must be getting touched on his shoestring. Because any significant contact, dude, that dude's like in a damn spin out like you know like going straight to the ground like so it's i don't know I I, it's fine look i like him he's still explosive playmaker he catches passes does all the things we want but maybe he's just not full strength yet maybe that's still the thing with etn i don't know i have not been hyper impressed when i'm watching him
0: I know with yards after contact, one thing I did last year that helped, because I agree with you. Sometimes you look at the stats and you're like, is that really the guy that's dragging them? Yeah, you're like, he can't have the
1: same number as Nick Chubb. That's not possible. (laughs)
0: Exactly. And like Tony Pollard is someone that has that, but I I think what you can do and what I was able to do last year, I think AJ Dillon was number one and Zeke was one of the best players. I looked at percentage of carries that they got at least two yards after contact. So that was like a better way of like, okay, who's consistently dragging guys? And then I kind of saw more so the players I anticipated being at the top of the list being at the top of the list so now i gotta try to update those numbers this week Dwayne, putting more work on my plate but that's okay that's a great great day to be great of course okay final thing here uh there were some she jamal agnew got them down the one yard line both etn and james robinson had chances to score from the one before trevor lawrence scored one of his two rushing touchdowns also something named tim jones got them down inside the two yard (laughs) line before another trevor lawrence (laughs) rushing touchdown Dwayne, i went to google to try to quiz you on who Tim Jones was, and you know it's bad when you type in you the player's name find him. in Wikipedia, and the first one that pops up was murderer Timothy Jones from the '80s. It's
1: a generic. It is a, generic, F- it is a ger- generic name. I we'll mean, give him a little. Jeffrey bit of a Dahmer's there. definitely trending right now with Netflix. So.
0: So, no, this was actually Tim Jones straight out of Southern Mississippi, the undrafted Jaguars wide receiver. Of course, credit to Tim Jones on the good game. Only injury to report is Deion Jackson, everyone's favorite waiver wire pickup, unfortunately, did suffer a quad injury. So, I tend to think both Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines are going to be back next week. But, hey, if they are out again, we do know Deion Jackson. Certainly uh, the play over Philip Lindsay. Deion do-
1: Jackson did what we thought Naheem Hines could do if he <laughs> ever had a game or two without Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Are two. This is how fantasy football works, man. 28.1 points for Deion Jackson. Like, Madden. And again, like I saw a comment in the chat earlier saying, hey, all the fantasy pros are idiots for ranking, Eno Benjamin high. And look, guys, all we're doing is looking at volume. If you think, Eno Benjamin's a bad play, then how can we call Deion Jackson a good play? Like, they're <laughs> the same thing. They're just two guys that we think are going to get the ball. And we know at running back, yes, we'd rather have the talented players. But in the end, at running back, we just want the volume. Like, if you just get the carries, like, and you just get to be out there to get the targets, like, it's – You know, I mean, you're going to you're going to fall into a certain amount of fantasy points. Now, some weeks you're going to have bigger weeks, some weeks you're not. So when you see a fantasy, you know, someone in the industry rank someone like, you know, Benjamin inside their top 18. I did because like the guys they were calling up, like we're all from their practice squad, like Keontae Ingram hadn't even been active in a game yet. Like so if you and you got a game script like against Seattle where we think they're going to score more points. And guess what? It could have been Deion Jones. Like, it, I mean, it could have been Deion Jackson could have been the same thing that we just saw from him. Not not the linebacker that was just traded to the Browns last week from the Falcons is still on IR. Not that Deion Jones.
0: For the record, Eno Benjamin, eighty-seven snaps, fourteen of the seventeen backfield carries, and three targets. But when your offense can't score a touchdown against the fucking Seattle Seahawks, Dwayne,
1: <laughs> like, what are you that, gonna do? That's why it Eno doesn't Benjamin, work out sometimes. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: gonna, I'm gonna put a little more of that on Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, less on Eno. But moving right along, the Minnesota Vikings took down the Miami Dolphins, twenty-four to sixteen. Just, it's a Vikings offense, man. They're five and one now. They. They don't dud. They had the one Monday night football dud against the Eagles. That I think probably sticks out in a lot of our uh, minds, but I just think it's been impressive kind of consistency they've had in an offense that really were kind of used to being the opposite. So again, they only had the seven points against Philly back in week two. Otherwise though, 23 points 28 28 29 and 24 in this one so we still haven't gotten like a true blow up I thought it was going to be this week against the banged up Dolphins secondary that just hasn't really been all that good to begin with this year and they play a high-risk game with their blitzes so if they're not getting pressure it can be problematic you know each and every week but still Kirk Cousins does not have a game with over 300 yards or three touchdowns luckily Justin Jefferson just goes about his business 107 receiving yards ho-hum out there Adam Thielen Dwayne still has not on three non-injury induced regular season games without a touchdown since 2018 yes i'm going to continue bringing up that stat every I time Love when you bring up more, the
1: predictive stats i love it when you go to the predictive stuff like that like man <laughs>
0: there's always there's, there's only a few truths we really have in this life Dwayne and uh adam thielen not being capable of going three plus games without a touchdown. fair
1: hey it worked again like you remain undefeated on this
0: <laughs> just it just keeps working we're gonna keep going back to that bank and Dalvin cook was not looking good there for a while did bust a fifty three yard touchdown uh you know late in the second half of that one helped put it away and help get him a nice fancy day and he really did dominate the snaps way more so than we had seen uh, over the past few weeks last two weeks man he was under sixty five percent snaps ever since he re-aggravated that shoulder injury today he had eighty eight percent snaps Madison just had twelve we However, also had Madison at
1: Madison he, had his, today, yeah, he had his own or, yeah he had his own shoulder
0: injuries so all these guys with their shoulder injuries out there. But so I don't really, again, we, we're we still not getting quite enough out of Irv Smith. He did score a touchdown, but Johnny Munstain just involved enough so that we're yeah. not, you know, slamming it down your guys' throats to play him. KJ Osborne, someone as well that just, there's enough CJ Ham out there. We're not getting maybe quite as many three wide receiver sets as we wanted. So it's an impressive offense, Dwayne. But again, Dalvin Cook, RB1. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one. Adam Thielen, touchdown wide dependent, receiver wide three. receiver three. And yeah. that's that.
1: Yeah, there's nothing else to talk about. Only, I'll mention really quickly, like last week we saw Irv Smith get to that 70% route participation. It's still close. He was at 63%, but that makes him really much more of a boom-bust kind of tight end, too. Like, you, you, you're you going to – and it, we talk about this all the time. Like, if you score a touchdown as a tight end, you're probably going to have a really good shot of being inside the top 12 for the week. So, it's like we once you get past, like, a certain group, it's like everybody just goes together. But as of right now, Irv Smith still just belongs in that big blob, right, of guys that are below – you know, like tight end 14 and 15. He's just, he's, I was hoping he was going to claw his way up, Ian, you know, we, and, and there's still a chance, but right now, to your point, Johnny Munt's still a little bit too involved for our liking on the
0: Dolphins side of the
1: ball, ball, just in, this quarterback room is just ridiculous. I'm still kind of confused <laughs> why Teddy Bridgewater was active, but he wasn't starting. I, know. I think they just wanted to see Skyler, to be honest. Like, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's the only excuse we can give them. Because honestly, if you thought there was anything wrong with him from a concussion standpoint, like how can he be active? Yeah, it's because, not like a
0: bruise. It is a bruise on your freaking brain. Like, come right. on.
1: Yeah, yeah, this isn't, yeah. So I don't get it either. So I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't know if that's right or not. I'm just like, man, maybe they just wanted to see Skyler. He, he made some nice throws last weekend, you know, coming in, you know, an emergency duty, you know, for, for Teddy Bridgewater. So I, I'm just going to assume that for now. But these receivers are, how about the, the freaking receivers are invincible. Yeah, doesn't matter. Tyreek Hill, he's he was right. He said that you know he told the reporter he goes you could be throwing the ball and I'd put up points. He wasn't lying. Like it doesn't matter.
0: It, it is incredible what Tyreek's doing, and out he didn't. He had a quiet first half, and you look up at the end. It's like oh yeah, twelve catches, hundred
1: seventy-seven yards, seven fantasy points,
0: bro. And he's he's not. I think people. If you don't watch like every game, you may be 12
1: could, for 177. It's insane.
0: As long as only 28 yards, it's not even he doesn't need to take the top off the defense half the time. He's so damn slippery underneath. And just the way Mike McDaniel is able to get him the ball, it, it, it's wild. And just everything Mike McDaniel has been able to do for this offense, like he has to be doing this dumb shit with Teddy or the whole Tua debacle or, or that him saying he's proud of his players getting rid of the ping pong table, but they were actually just upgrading it and then <laughs> bringing it back. Like Mike McDaniel, think about like ever since the media kind of got introduced to him, you know, in the 49ers playoff run uh, last year. I felt like that was like really when he burst on the scene. I'm well aware he's been around uh, longer, but just really like everyone loving the guy one thing after another. So he's kind of had to have some screwy things happen to get uh, anything off the set like that. But yeah, just to see them still have 385 team passing yards in this one, moving from Schuyler who suffered the right thumb injury back to Teddy Bridgewater. It's a testament to McDaniel. Give Teddy some credit and just overall, man, these wide receivers. Tyreek, again, Jalen Waddle, 129 yards in his own right. And even Mike Jasicki, Dwayne, with 69 yards, nice and two touchdowns in his own right. So we know we have Waddle and Tyreek. We've talked about this. Even, you know, if, if you're under center, Dwayne, it'd be hard to push them down the ranks too much. is sicky though, did we see enough here that maybe there actually is a role change on the table? Or is this a matter of the Dolphins being down for most of this game and just kind of having to throw the ball to whoever is out there?
1: It's one of those that's really tough to say for sure, but he has been trending in the right direction. This was a season high in route participation at 75%. He was third on the team in target share. Like we clearly know that about you know 50% plus of targets every week are just go ahead and slot them into Tyreek and Jalen. At this point, I guess we just say Tyreek Hill's 30% no matter what. Like, okay. and then Jalen's 20 to 25%. So you're talking 55% of the targets typically, maybe 60% every week going to those two. So there, you know, the rest that gets spread around, if it's really just, you know, too gasecky, like it could be fine. Um, he's going to need that route participation to hold though. He had a 16% target share today, but he did catch the two touchdowns and he tried to go back to the gritty. Uh, you know, I did see that Jamar Chase, <laughs> no, this, is great.
0: this is awesome.
1: He's <laughs> yeah. standing out, Dwayne. He's standing out know, with this. I know. And Jamar Chase said, this is still not it. Like he retweeted it on Twitter. So, but Hey, he's trying, like, I like it. He's leaning into it.
0: Dude, he did it like all the way to the bench. Dude. Yeah. He, he was went a long way. Part. Oh, my goodness. So, hey, I I respect the guy for trying. Like, Dwayne, you and me are a a couple of white boys, too, man. You know how the difference. You're in your mirror, and you think you got it all figured out, and then you actually go on a dance floor, and then you just have these horrified looks, (laughs) and my fiance is pulling me away and saying I'm an embarrassment and all this stuff. But, okay, last thing on the Dolphins. Uh, If the route rates are a little bit off for Tyreek, he was questionable to return with cramps.
1: Obviously, he was just
0: fine, though, and I would note that, unfortunately,
1: shoulder oh waddle
0: too. all these games in miami man it's freaking october you floridians get some cool temperature already <laughs> but unfortunately this banged up secondary is even more hurt now nick needham tore his achilles out there he was doing a really good job stepping in for byron jones who is still yet to return from his own achilles issue he remains on the pup uh uh zavian howard Dwayne was the first player i saw this last week not a groin injury groins on the injury report plural the guy's got two bad. Groins, i'm not even going to try to pronounce right it now yeah, seriously. So hopefully he gets uh, healthier. Final point here is with this backfield. Again, things were moving up well for Raheem Mostert, really over the better part of the last month. And last week seemed to be the full takeover with Miles Gaskin finally coming in over Chase Edmonds. Now, Gaskin was a healthy scratch this week, and Raheem Mostert himself was listed as questionable coming in with a knee injury. He still led the way, 62% to 38% snaps, 14 carries to two carries for Edmonds, and they each had two targets out there. I just wonder, though, Dwayne, I we said this before the year, Just the I th- we doubted that either of these guys were going to truly take over this backfield. Mostert was hurt, and it was trending that way. I just don't know if this is an offense that wants to give a running back 20-plus combined carries and targets during any given week. I mean, on the season, the backs as a whole, they're only 27th in rush attempts. They're tied for 15th in targets. I think the offense wants to go through Waddle and Hill first and foremost. It's just a rare instance where the starting running back is kind of like the third option.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I do think Raheem is clearly in the lead, though. You know, I mean, yeah, it's not a it's not a bell cow role, but I think it's a you got to rank him as a low end RB2 kind of role. Like, I mean, if if you're out there for 60, 65 percent of the snaps, like you're going to be in that range. I mean, he's getting he got 79 percent of the rushing attempts today. Um, The two minute offense, some of the long down and distance stuff that did go back to Chase Edmonds today. We also saw Chase Edmonds out there for 75% of the plays inside the 10. Now, sometimes that can be tricky, right? It could just be the the drive the player was out there, you know, if they're not switching in and out during the drive, like it could have just been that I haven't been able to look at this the drive edmonds was out there they happened to have four plays right inside the 10 and that can and that can easily tilt data points like that so i'd have to go back and look at that for edmonds but on the surface it looks like he got used a little bit more inside the 10 which was the case over the first couple of games um we saw that and that's how edmonds was still coming through he was he got two rushing touchdowns the one week he caught a passing touchdown, and then he dropped a passing touchdown uh, like two weeks ago, which I think was part of what helped kind of get him benched, and he moved behind Miles Gaskin, you know, for that game. Um, but yeah, I I think you know Raheem Mostert's still fine as a low end RB two, you know, high end RB three. Chase Edmonds really shouldn't be near your lineups. He's got to earn more, like because he's just not doing enough in the passing game. That's the problem. Like if Chase Edmonds had the role we're talking about, forty percent of the snaps. And could get a 15% target share, you know, um, in behind Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, creating all this space. Like he could have value, but he's not getting any of that. And maybe, maybe that's where we're really seeing the tight end play step up. And that can be the third option.
0: Most are still someone I think you want on your team and everything. I'm yeah. just saying it's it's one of those things where I think sometimes he has, he's checking all your, your utilization boxes that say he's an RB one. It's just like, and this offense, maybe he's more going to be an RB
1: two uh, more weeks than not still though, this offense will take it. Well, that's why it's a low end RB two is because yeah. when you do the, like when you put it all together, like he's, the dolphins are not running the ball enough you know for for that to ultimately work out and that's why people got to check out the utilization report cuz it's got all the team context in addition to these numbers we give you know on the show on sunday night
0: of Of course. Bengals 30 Saints, 26, since he covered as a three-point road favorite, overcashed rather easily at 42 and a half. Finally got the big game from Jamar Chase. Seven catches, 132 yards, and a pair of touchdowns revisiting Louisiana. We knew this was gonna happen, Dwayne. Joe Burrow showed up in the LSU Jamar Chase natty title jersey. It was just destined to be. Could have even had a third touchdown, dropped a 29 yarder that hit him and the hands down the sideline. And that's kind of my big takeaway here, Dwayne. Something I talked about my quarterback piece um, uh, last Tuesday that you can always find on pff.com. But Burrow hasn't had his fastball this year in terms of just his ability to throw at one of the highest efficiency, efficiency rates in the entire league, 20-plus yards downfield. They were terrible his rookie year. They brought in Jamar Chase to replace A.J. Green. All of a sudden, they were consistently top five, if not the single most prolific downfield attack in the NFL. And this year, they have slipped back more towards the middle, and that didn't necessarily get fixed in this game. On the season, 20-plus yards down the field on the pass. Jamar Chase has caught just two of eight of those targets for 59 yards with that aforementioned drop today. I mean, last season, this dude was third in receptions on passes throwing at least 20 yards downfield. Second in yards, league high, eight touchdowns. Tyler Lockett was in second all the way down there with five. So I guess that's the... Almost good thing about this, though, Dwayne. They haven't fixed the deep ball, and here they are still scoring thirty points. Burrow goes for three hundred yards and three touchdowns against the Saints' defense. That okay, I realize we just saw Seattle, you know, have their way with them through the air last week as well. But man, we saw it last year with the two high stuff. We're still seeing it this year with some of these teams. The Bengals were going to have to figure out how to kind of beat those coverages, and I think they were starting to get there. It reminds me, Dwayne, when we went on we went on the Chris Collinsworth podcast together. And the Chiefs were having all kinds of problems. This was like the big hoopla, like multiple primetime games. What is wrong with Patrick Mahomes? And we asked Chris what they had to do. And he was just like, they got to figure out how to beat this because teams are not going to stop doing it until they do show that they can beat it. So that was my kind of impression here with the Bengals where, hey, they got Burrow back to 300 yards and three touchdowns. And I still don't think they've kind of gotten back to their Super Saiyan level yet.
1: Yeah and I mean the only thing I would say on the deep pass stuff is it's just not sticky anyway right like it's right. it's it's not a stat that like the accuracy Deep ball accuracy, deep ball catch rates, all those things can fluctuate on any year to year because your sample sizes are so small. So it's something that could turn around really quickly. I think a lot of it does come back to what you're talking about, though, right? Right. The way that defenses are playing them. To your point, we didn't necessarily solve that today. A dot of 10.8 for Jamar Chase. He's a guy that historically a receiver of his archetype, you would think of his a dot being like 13, 14 right on the season Tyler boy was at a 6.3 that's pretty normal he's like a juju kind of guy works over the middle but T Higgins was only a 7.3 so it it, they are learning to work more short underneath intermediate the the thing about Jamar Chase that I think people forget about because we see him make these big catches downfield I don't know that anybody forgets but like he's he's the one guy Ian that can truly do everything like when you when you just watch him run after the catch like sometimes you forget like how strong he is a and the ability to break tackles after the catch and then just pull away from people and take away angles like it's just it's it's rare to see someone as big as him you, you're used to seeing him oh god like he's gonna moss this guy he's gonna catch this ball he's gonna he's gonna get past this guy and catch the deep ball but like when you see him doing this stuff at his size like underneath like it's just crazy how good jamar chase is i know he's not like six five or anything but he's thick like he's yeah. he's you know his lower body is very thick very good after the catch so yeah it's always just a matter of time for superstars like this to blow up and have these huge games and of course when he blows up then that's really good for joe burrow as well no it's a great point because last year i think his first his first three or four games he was scoring a
0: touchdown almost every one of them but he was just kept hitting those deep balls and it's like oh this guy's mm-hmm. an incredible field stretcher and then he had the game against the ravens where he just puts his foot in the oh. turf and it's like oh okay he can do that too oh my god this guy's completely terrifying uh, anywhere he lines up <laughs> on the field so Also, with the Bengals, we did see T. Higgins back out there. He caught six passes for 47 yards. And also, shout out Tyler Boyd, six catches, 66 yards. Dwayne, what was the utilization with T. Higgins? Obviously, pissed off uh, quite a few fantasy managers back in week five when he was a pure decoy out there.
1: Yeah, 89% route participation versus last week we saw him at 17%. So, I think. Yeah, we're we're back. And these are just tough situations. I know you and I, we talked about it on a couple of teams this morning. Like what were we doing with T. Higgins? What were the options we had? You know, and, and you guys, you probably have to work through some of the same things. And you can't be right all the time, you know. So it's like if you feel like you got a close call, I moved him down to high-end RB three, which is about I mean wide receiver three this week in the ranks, just saying, hey, like basically once you get to this line. It's up to you guys. If you think you feel good about going, you know, with Higgins, it's fine. If not, like this is about the range where I would consider just still starting him, even knowing that there's risk. Um, so that not that range will now you know move up like we'll be moving back up with T Higgins. So and he had a 29 percent target share today. He still led the team and targets. Joe Mixon did find the end zone, another
0: dominant 72% snap rate, and back to back weeks where his per carry efficiency at least has been, you know, well over five in them actually looking like they can run the ball. So continue to fire up the NF. I don't know if he's still going to be leading the league in touches after this one, but he was before. You're never super panicking. It was one of those things where Mixon was the RB15 going this week, and you drafted him to be higher. So it's like, yeah, be a lot cooler if he was more consistently an RB1. Surely believe he will be here moving forward. And Dwayne, we did get the lovely, and this is a little bit different. But Mixon actually dropped a touchdown next play right back to him and he got that love to see the trust and you know a guy that we normally see them take off the field in those situations for Samaje Perine. on the same side of things no Jameis Winston again and no Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry or Michael Thomas out there either so tough to be overly critical of Andy Dalton because again we literally saw the goat of our game and Tom Brady struggle through these sort of things you know during the first couple of weeks when all of his wide receivers were out so I'm not gonna you know just be go on beating up the Red Rocket for having similar issues without his guy out there so i think the main conversation we need to have here Dwayne, is what are your thoughts on the new alvin kamara situation if anything because we did have a the alleged victim and alvin kamara's battery case file an additional civil suit against kamara and this is from the lovely folks over our roto world Pretty nasty. The lawsuit alleges uh, Green suffered severe injuries to his neck, back, head, shoulders, knees, and face, including a quote-unquote disfiguring facial fracture to his right orbital bone. Kamara is alleged to have bragged about it with a member of his group stating, I connected with the explicitives' jaw so hard. Yeah, not really good details out here for Kamara. And again, it's incredible to me that something like this happens and the legal process just says, you know, we'll push it back another couple of months. Who really cares, I guess? You know, <laughs> one of the most important parts of our society, Dwayne, just can do that time and time again with this. Regardless, have you seen anything from our guy? Because again, when I ask you these questions, it's usually like, "Has Drew Davenport right? said anything yeah. about it yet? So, I haven't.
1: I haven't had a chance to check what Drew has put out on <laughs> Camara. Um, I actually thought about it like yesterday. Like, oh, I need to go check this. And I think he did a, I think he's done a pod on it, but he didn't have a thread and I didn't have a chance to listen to it. So yeah, I I don't know what this means. Like, I don't, I don't know if this is something that the, um, my guess is the lawyers will just try to push this off as well um i would say that you know if the saints like you know are not in a good situation in two or three weeks from now like could camara just decide to go ahead and settle all this stuff right this year and take a suspension this year that's always been a possibility so um I like his utilization and all that kind of stuff is like looking really good like just from on the fan on the on the football field like 32 target share today last week you know he was over a 20 target share so like if you are you know, if you've got Kamara on your roster, like you feel really good about starting him right now um, versus where you were at early in the season. But this is definitely something that, hang, that hangs over him. So if you do have an opportunity to move him for something you really like, I had someone today ask me, hey, would you move uh, Kamara straight up for Brees Hall? I told them yes, because of yes. this. I, I was like, look, like if Kamara plays the whole year, like you might be losing out a little bit. But the way Brees Hall's playing, he might straight up beat him out. And just because there's a little bit of doubt here with this, I would just make the trade.
0: I agree with that 100%. Uh, would know, Kamara, if Andy Dalton's going to stay under center, which even before the game today, we were kind of getting the sheets of the world, suggesting that this could actually be a quarterback switch. Saints head coach Don- Dennis Allen fueled those rumors when he declined to name a starting QB ahead of next Thursday night. But basically... Each of these past two games, Kamara has caught six passes. First two games with Jameis Winston combined, only caught five. So, yeah, you take away, you know, Captain Adot himself for Andy Dalton, you are going to get much more Alvin Kamara out there. And obviously, having a lot of these wide receivers banged up assisted to that as well. But all good things for Alvin Kamara, except, of course, uh, Taysom Hill continuing to do Taysom Hill things. No touchdown today, Dwayne, but another five carries, 39 yards, two pass completions for 16 yards. Just unlike any real player we've had to deal with in fantasy. But when you start making your ranks, you get to your 10, 11, 12 tight ends that they're out there there all the time. We know they can catch the ball. You know, okay, great. This is my tight end. But then all of a sudden, you get Taysom Hill against part-time tight ends, the guys that don't have, you know, the 70, 80% route participation rate. And I tend to give Taysom the nod there,
1: Dwayne. I do too. Yeah, I think I had him at 11 or 10 this week. Like, and I I struggled with maybe getting as high as nine especially knowing that they weren't going to have Michael Thomas they were not going to have Jarvis Landry they weren't going to have Chris Olave. Yeah. I just I felt like man there's a real good chance here that they try to base you know they got to score points and they don't have anyone like Taysom Hill's a better weapon than Marquez Calloway right Taysom Hill running the ball is probably a better you know weapon than you know Kevin White who's out there for 29 percent of the routes. so um, I think as long as we're in a scenario where if if they've got these guys banged up, that makes me even like him a little bit more. Um, And maybe that's backwards. Maybe he's actually worth more when those other guys get back. Like if the offense is really rolling, does that just give him more opportunities to score? I don't know. Um, But I like they got to go to him right now. Like they just don't have the other way. Like it's him and him and Alan Kamara, the whole offense right now. So until we get the other guys back
0: only two close calls to mention. Marquez Callaway almost had a near touchdown went off his hands low. Again, wouldn't say it was an outright drop, but Dalton did put it in a nice spot. And then also Alvin Kamara on a wheel almost had a real nice 20-yard touchdown. Got open late, just a little bit too far and probably should have been a flag, but no dice. Moving right along, the Giants took down the Ravens 24 to 20. Your New York Football Giants are 5 and 1. Hey, As Bill Parcells used to say, man, you are what your record says you are in the New York Giants. Apparently, Dwayne are a very good football team, easily covering as a five and a half point dog under cash at 46 points. So it's Saquon Barkley. And, you know, again, this is all we really need to talk about here. But we do actually have a little bit more love to get to real quick, though, Saquon, as I'm just nailing this transition here 2,185 total yard pace 11 touchdowns for the season rb1 your favorite rb1's favorite rb1 definitely the two hosts of this lovely podcast now dwayne we did get the return of Juan Dale robinson he managed to score a touchdown the rookies first game all year after missing the first five weeks with a knee injury Kadaris tony allegedly still employed a member of this team i'm not sure if these hamstring injuries are real or what's going on we'll figure that out if he ever gets back out on the field but for now Man, Kenny Galladay is banged up. Stealing Shepard isn't coming back this season. I mean, Wandale Robinson is going to be the number one, it seems like, in a disgusting pass offense, but he's still going to be the number one. What are your overall, overall rest of the season expectations for the rookie out of Kentucky?
1: Yeah, they took it slow on him today, um, only out there for 35% of the routes, but I would expect that number to grow. His targets per route run, 36% today. So that's a, that's, you know, it can get inflated because he's out there for only a few routes, but the thing I liked was it wasn't like it was just gimmicky, right? This wasn't like stuff where he's tethered to the line of scrimmage like we saw with Rondell Moore in a few games last season. And he'd have like a 25% target share. And then you'd go look up his targets. You're like, well, hell, like three out of four were screenplays. It wasn't like that. He was actually working down the field, running the route tree at a 9.3 a dot. So just looking at the wide receiver room, Ian, like I think there's a real chance, like Wondell Robinson. Like if I had to put a chip down today and say, okay, who's going to lead the Giants and receiving down the stretch – that's who I would pick, just because there's just not a lot of competition. Like I know you like Marcus Johnson, but like he's he's, <laughs> he's never been a big target demander. He does some nice things. Darius Slayton had a couple of nice years, but also not a big target earner. David Sills, like, look, this talk about empty calorie snaps. Like this guy's just out there getting steps. Richie James, folks, I'm sorry, I know he had the one big game, but I told you he's not a target earner. Guess what? He's not a target earner. Like it's just it's just what it is. So Wondell's the only guy besides you know Barkley, in my opinion. And the one other guy, Daniel, I mean, (laughs) Ian, Daniel Bellinger, uh, 82% route participation today. So he is now a full-time guy. He has been like on the rise for like the last three games. But last week, it was still like in the 60% range. He had a 20% target share. So maybe it's Wondell Robinson and Daniel Bellinger. I know it's not going to be beautiful, but they could be the two leading targets down the stretch. That's the two I would pick for the Giants, two young guys that could both ascend.
0: We did see Marcus Johnson. Unfortunately, Dwayne, he dropped a touchdown. I would have been on. <laughs> aw- I would probably have opened up the podcast with it if he would have to catch it. And then Wandale got the touchdown on the very next play. Uh, he did get open for a default earlier. Unfortunately, had a penalty, a little bit underthrown. Just some mixtures there. Uh, the only other sheesh was absolutely backbreaking. Saquon Barkley, that selfish sob, had to go ahead and just secure the W instead <laughs> of getting us yep. fantasy, us loyal fantasy managers, Dwayne, who. Had to have how many Twitter arguments this entire offseason, telling people to take Saquon anyway, and the guy has to stop short of the goal line. Unbelievable move by him. Whatever. It's just part of what H- happens a couple times every football year. Always fun to yell about it when it does. On the Raven side of things, Lamar Jackson, not his best game in the world. And then you look at the stat line, it's like, yeah, we will continue to take those 77 rushing yards any chance we can get it could have had a 20-yard touchdown. Devin Duvernay just missed it. Almost had a score to Mark Andrews where it hit him in the chest, and then he got slow-motion replay, uh, yeah. and then it's like, oh, it got tipped. Like, okay, we've all got tipped, yeah. It wasn't quite the egregious uh, drop you thought it was in near time. I thought it was a
1: doink at first, too, when it, I saw it in real it time. I was so like, did bad. Mark
0: Andrews just get nailed like right in the chest with a football? It's no. like, please, please tell me that was tipped. It was. Andrews came back, caught one later, went for over 100 yards. So, we have Andrews. Unfortunately, Devin Duvernay, he didn't get any of the design rush. You that was just like a nice little, you know, feather in the cap and only caught one of his five targets. So that, we saw where Bateman, too. Like, unfortunately, yeah, we can feel a little better about Duvernay when Bateman's out of the picture with the foot injury. But it's just this offense where it's going to continue to be Mark Andrews and then everyone else in the passing game. The real concern, Dwayne, is what to make of this backfield, because it's now been four weeks since Dobbins has been back and it just continues to not really be trending overly his direction. So this week was actually horrific as I look at it and realize I had their names mixed up. Kenya Drake continues to lead this backfield, man. Mainstream media won't address it. 57% 57% snap rate, 10 carries, two targets for Drake, 28% for Dobbins, just seven
1: carries. And now... Did you did you hear the report, though, on Dobbins, like, after uh, the game? No. So his knee tightened up in the game. That's why we saw Ken and Drake lead the way. Great. So he didn't hurt it, but it tightened up. So they just said they were being super... I don't know what that's ultimately going to mean for him, but it was definitely tied to, you know, the them wanting to be cautious with J.K. Dobbins' knee.
0: Whatever it is, since week three, Dobbins has 99 snaps. Justice Hill, Kenyon Drake, Mike Davis, 121 carries 35 to 29 targets six to five. This is going to continue to be this split, Dwayne, I think for the foreseeable future. Like, okay, if we get to the end of the season, maybe they do just start to really turn it over to Dobbins, but they're telling us Gus is close to coming back. Kenyon Drake is not Quite as washed as we thought he was is that fair to say i mean the guy ran for 119 yards on 10 carries i'm not gonna not gonna crown his ass just yet dwayne but it was a decent performance after it looked like these guys were incapable of gaining a rushing yard during the first few weeks of the year i mean look we've still been putting at least i've still been putting dobbins kind of around that rb2 borderline wanting to be on the right side of this hopefully moving in a better direction now it's like, you know, Dobbins is gonna have to be outside the top 30 certain weeks. I don't think it's egregious the way this is going.
1: Yeah, I think we just got to see what's gonna happen. Like I think Dobbins is gonna be the lead in a committee as long as he's healthy, right? Um the kind of our our hope was that, well, wow, like if you know Kenyon Drake looked so bad, Mike Davis did not look good, Gus Edwards was taking longer than we thought to get back, J.K. Dobbins is Ahead of him, right, in his recovery. And the thought was, well, man, maybe in the weeks where it really counts, J.K. Dobbins is finally, you know, going to get 60, 70% of the rushing work, right? Because the other 30% clearly goes to, you know, Lamar Jackson. Um, but yeah, it's just, and then with the knee complication, just seems less and less likely. The main thing is just get him healthy. You know, if we can see him get healthy, you can live on 40, 50% rushing attempts in this offense because they still like to run the ball you know today it didn't necessarily work out um where they ran the ball quite as much but like they want to be a balanced team still even though they're throwing more than what we used to think of the ravens so he could be okay but yes i agree with you i think it's um you know dobbins is the one you want to have on your roster because you know he has the upside but he just needs a lot of things to break his way for like all of that to be uncapped the injuries got to work out the ravens have got to go basically he needs a Ramondre stevenson Like he needs like Ramondre Stevenson's path where literally the seas just parted everything you could wish for happened. And Stevenson got there. Look, and we knew Stevenson was a good player, just like we know JK Dobbins is a good player, but some, some guys they've just got more hurdles. They've got to overcome to get there. And Dobbins is definitely one of those with the biggest one being, you know, how is his knee? Yeah.
0: It's just one of those things where at least Stevenson was playing better before that kind of stuff happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah.
0: The Dobbins, the talent argument. And look, I,
1: You know, you guys know, I must
0: say, you guys all know how I am with my Ohio State guys. (laughs) At the end of the day, like the reason why we're saying in large part, he's so talented is because the dude averaged over six yards for freaking carry in his his rookie season this year, he's at 3.5. I know it's not the end all be all stat for running back production, but to see anyone with Lamar Jackson under center, taking away that attention, not able to even crack four yards per carry. He hasn't looked like the same running back to me out there. I'm not going to pretend like my eye test is the best thing in the world. But right now, J.K. Dobbins, I really struggle to see a way for him to just kind of meet this ceiling that a lot of people have in their minds, unless, to your point, Dwayne, Gus stays out. You know, Ken and Drake gets hurt. Mike Davis gets hurt. Justice Hill comes back, and then he gets hurt again. Maybe it could happen. You know, I basically predicted it back in July for uh, Ramondre, so I guess I can go out on a limb and do that for Dobbins as well. But, okay, let's move on to the last 1 p.m. afternoon game. Steelers took down the Buccaneers 20-18. to 18. Covering, winning as a 10-point dog, the under cash at 46-and-a-half. So, Kenny Pickett was out there for, let's see, 19 uh, pass attempts and sacks combined. Might have had a couple scrambles, unfortunately. He did get concussed and then rolled out, leading the way for Mitch Trubisky to come in and look pretty damn good out there. 9 for 12, 144 yards and a touchdown. I I know guys it's Mitch Trubisky. I don't think that Steelers version of him is all of a sudden the guy we haven't seen before, but in the Chicago days, like there were flashes and you at least got some games of some higher upside. And we did have that at least a little bit here. Chase Claypool, seven catches, 96 yards and a touchdown. It's, you know, Dwayne, like George Pickens and Chase Claypool have very similar numbers this year on 35 targets, but Pickens is a million times better because, you know, just watch the film. So I know Pickens is better. It is still interesting how we uh, just it
1: depends on who's playing quarterback. Like if it's Mitch, it's, I... it's it's Claypool. If it's, you know, Pickett, it's it's Pickens is what it seems to be.
0: I, I guess so. It's just the entire The entire fantasy community seemingly just deciding Chase Claypool is a terrible football player in the last. That's why I
1: tweeted that today. I said, hey, another no name scoring a touchdown today, (laughs) Chase Claypool. So again, I I I
0: fully don't get me wrong. I fully think. Yeah, you didn't Johnson, have him in
1: any starting right, and he's no no, no, no either today.
0: And look, I fully think Pickens and Deontay, of course, are better than Chase Claypool. But just some of the slander of this guy. Give me a break. It was good to see him go out there today and have that big game. Should you guys run to your waiver wire and use all your fab on Claypool? Hell no. I think this was probably just going to be one of his better games of the year. But at least we did see him get that touchdown and put them over the line. So yeah, the passing game. We'll need to see what happens with Kenny Pickett coming out the protocol in the meantime though Dwayne like my question for these receivers would be if we had to redo our fantasy drafts tomorrow like what rounds do you think these guys would be going in because through six weeks now Claypool and Pickens each have 35 targets Deontay the clear target hog with 55 targets albeit you know he's only got about 20 more receiving yards than Pickens still hasn't managed to find the end zone what Deontay was going really Round four, most of the time.
1: Well, no, no, he wasn't. He was, he was making it past that a lot at the end. Like people had kind of, you know, he had moved down. Like he was a fifth round pick. My guess is he'd be a sixth round, a late sixth rounder now. Um, you know, I don't know. Like there's drafts going on right now. Underdog. Somebody, (laughs) somebody can probably tell us in the chat, like exactly what round Deontay Johnson goes when you're doing some of these, you know, teams where you can draft right now today and start your season over. Um, but Claypool would definitely be like probably around 14, around 15. Now today people are obviously going to react and that would move up. You know, Pickens was probably around where he was, um, which in the drafts we were doing was like round nine, 10, more in home leagues, like round 11, 12, you know, just the the typical rookie wide receiver. So No
0: change. Really? You don't think there'd be much of a change. Uh,
1: I think there, I think they would all move down a little bit. I think people are just like looking at this offense as like, like, how's it going to score? And how do we pick which one is it going to be? Um, you know, you now you also had Friarmouth out today. So Claypool working inside from the slot didn't have the competition from someone running routes in a very similar area in Friarmouth. So that could have also helped him out a little bit. I'm happy you specified
0: running routes in a similar area. I don't want to hear you dismiss Zach Gentry's, you know, generational talent. Gotta,
1: <laughs> no, I would never well, how can there? I do that? I would <laughs> never do that.
0: This is true. Well, all right. The final thing to touch on with Pittsburgh here is the running back room. And it looked a little better for Najee Harris. We had the uh, removing the steel plate out of your cleat storyline going in this one, Dwayne, Najee said he was (laughs) going to feel much better. And yeah, I could see how that would maybe be an issue when you're trying to, you know, do things like avoid having 11 angry professional, finely tuned athletes, try to kill you every single play out there. Najee in this one, 70% snaps, 14 carries and three targets the easiest touchdown you will ever see on a wide open swing pass where no one decided to guard him. But once again, like here's the problem with Najee. I'm not coming here to tell you he's bad or anything. Look, 36 of his 42 rushing yards came after contact. This has been always the problem with Najee it's not that he is terrible it's that this offensive environment is terrible and Najee so far hasn't been incredible enough to completely overcome that how
1: how many yards before contact does he get that's the problem there's just not a lot of space
0: well (laughs) right and so we could deal with that when he was getting like literally every snap in his backfield but he isn't receiving work yeah he isn't you look at him on this year 18 targets that ranks a distant fourth on the Steelers Jalen Warren is there at nine so this was a nice st- like look last week Jalen Warren out snap Najee and that was because of the blowout you know yeah, game script quarter. against Buffalo but still just seeing you know Najee get back on their 70 percent to 30 for Jalen Warren was good albeit Dwayne unfortunately Najee Harris you drafted him as an RB1 man and he still is borderline RB2 low end RB2
1: yeah, he's an RB2. It, it just on the volume alone. You know, you're going to, you know, if he scores a touchdown, you're going to feel a lot better. But yeah, it's tough, man. Like there's just not a lot going right for the Steelers. He's not an efficient player. We knew that. We talked about that coming in that he would be volume dependent, not explosive. We also were worried that would the receiving, you know, stats still be there. And those have at least been those haven't completely gone away, but I mean, three targets a day, two receptions, seven yards, you know, I mean, that was still worth 12% target share, but yeah, like it, just a lot of things not going right for Najee. So you, you just really, you just need the Steelers to get better. Like that's your hope for Najee. Like he's getting enough work. You just need this offense to improve. That's why I think we really need Kenny Pickett. Like, can we just move forward and turn a page? Like I, I get, I know what you're saying. Like we did see some games from Mitch Trubisky back in his days, you know, with Chicago, but overall it was more of a frustrating experience. Like, yeah at least with Pickett, we know there's like the unknown, right? So you're saying there's a chance, like there's a (laughs) chance that Kenny Pickett could be really good. And so I just, I want to turn the page, like, and just see what Kenny Pickett can do. And maybe, maybe that could be enough to get the volume and everything back up for all these guys.
0: Yes, please, for the love of God, give me Pickett over Trubisky. (laughs) Don't twist my words that way. I wasn't trying to twist your words. You're good, you're good. Final note here on the Steelers. uh, Pickens was open for a potential seven-yard score. Pickett sailed it out the back of the end zone. Would have been a tough one. Wasn't the most egregious miss of the day. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention each and every sheesh to you guys over here. On the Buccaneers' side of the ball, man, like what the hell? Top three cornerbacks all out. Mika Fitzpatrick, one of the best defensive players in the league, out. And I got to sit here, Dwayne, as people make fun of another helicopter crashing, because I thought Chris Goffman would have a good game. And he did go out there and catch six passes for 95 yards. But, you know, you send a helicopter down like a jackass and you say he's going to score three touchdowns. People
1: rightfully come at you afterwards. the process um, was right, man. 31% target share today. Like people, I, I get it. I know Tell that to my wife
0: and kids that left. I me know.
1: They, I know. I know. They're long on. Like, I can't catch them. They, yeah. She's already found someone else by now. Like, it's too late. Um,
0: Tim Jones. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tim jones yeah chilling <laughs> chilling with your wife uh with miss tits uh 11 targets six receptions 95 yards though so the, my takeaway on this is like godwin like is progressing very well you know i know he had the setback early in the season but this is two games in a row he had 91 route participation he was just below that last weekend so i mean that's about where we saw him last year and his best games is right around that 90 percent mark so his he may not be the exact same player after the catch and those things right now, but he's in a really good situation. There's, there's going to be some big weeks coming for Chris Goblin. I know it didn't exactly hit this week with the helicopter, but the underlying utilization definitely supports the helicopter. And that was the,
0: you know, kind of basis. I'm trying not to pick the most slam dunk. The issue with Goblin was that last week when he was only out there for about half the snaps and half the routes. But the thought was that that was more of a game script thing. They were killing the Falcons at halftime. The week before, Yeah, it was, was
1: game the- script. Like if you go back and you look at like, yeah, yeah. If you looked at it before the lead got out of hand, like he was fine. So
0: Goblin, Evans, continue to force them in the lines of all shapes and sizes here moving forward because ultimately last four weeks Brady has had 45, 53, 53 and in this one 42 drop back. So they didn't get going. I'm inclined just more or less write it off as a bad afternoon at the office. Dwayne, you cool with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is the same. Um, you know, Rashad white stayed involved, not quite as involved as he's been the last couple of weeks, but out there 22% of the snaps, we had seen a 30 and a 40 percenter. So he wasn't quite to the, to the level we had seen the last couple of games, but was still involved. Leonard Fournette, man, hundred percent of the two minute offense, 75% of the long down distance, a hundred percent of the snaps inside the 10 caught a touchdown pass again for the second week in a row from Tom Brady. So that's, Things are looking really good for Leonard Fournette right now. I still think this offense is going to get, you know, I think it's going to get going. I want to be, I want to be in on this offense. Like if I can go trade for pieces of this offense, I think it's just a matter of time before we truly see. You know, look, we've got the pass rate over expectation, all the things that we want for the weapons, and the weapons are getting healthier and healthier. Like I, I feel like things are looking good. Obviously, we had Cameron Brait with the concussion thing today, so hopefully, he's okay. Matter of one, not if. I agree. Good news again concussions are
0: terrible. Cam Brady does have all of his movement with him, So that was good to see. Always one of those things where again, when they get just terrible, scary moment, hopefully he's going to be okay. I know we just had another concussion a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in the meantime, should be mostly the Cade Otten show. We did have some sheeshies in this one. So it was Brady to Russell Gage from like the 10 yard line. This one was up yeah. in the air. It kind of went off his hands and the next play. It definitely went off his hands and should have been caught. So, End zone drop from Russell Gage on that one. Leonard Fournette almost had a two-touchdown day. Bulldozer from the five got stuffed. They gave him another chance. He got stuffed again. Couldn't quite get there. And Cam Brady almost had a 17-yard touchdown before he got injured. Miles Jack made a great play that to get tip, just a yeah. finger on it. Yep, those damn tips, Dwayne, taking away our uh, touchdowns too. <laughs> the tight, too. End the tight yeah. ends. It is what it is. I All will right.
1: say, man, Russell Gage like is borderline getting into Meikle-Hardman territory. Of like Brady is just freaking seething like with Russell Gage. And I've seen it multiple times now. Um, I'm, I'm worried. Like, dude, like, I, you don't want to be in Brady's doghouse. Like, if there's anybody's doghouse you don't want to be in, like, it's Tom Brady's. Like, man, Gage is just – Gage has not played well. I know we had that one flash of that week where he's basically all Brady had. But even in that game – you know, he got the targets, but didn't necessarily look great. And I was kind of chalking it up. Maybe it's just the injury, but uh, it's, it's it's a very rough start for Russell Gage. He was off the injury report
0: this week for like the first. I mean, he was on yeah. it, but he didn't have a designation. And I thought By maybe Friday, he was yeah. getting healthier and no, just not going that good. And he could
1: still be OK. Like, look, there's a lot of outs in this offense, but it's not a good start for Russell Gage. He and Tom Brady, the chemistry's not there yet going to pay a couple
0: bills, everyone, before we keep on going. I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors over at Underdog Fantasy. Even though Best Ball Mania has ended, Underdog Fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their Pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than than that number in this week's game, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your Pick'em entry. Get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash it's simple to get started just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app sign up with promo code pff and underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 that's underdog fantasy promo code pff get in on the action today also i'll give a shout out to our friends over at no house advantage no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today play pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250k plus in cash download the app choose a contest select your player props earn points for correct picks and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day you can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks better up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league including the nfl nba mob pga mma and nascar Sign up now with the promo code PITFANTASYPFF at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. And for our sleeper segment of the day freaking love sleeper awesome app out there i'm sure plenty of you guys are playing all your redraft dynasty leagues on there already if you're not you're not gonna find a more customizable place out there to help fulfill all your fantasy needs but yeah as we do every episode here we got you know our little specific sleeper segment today's is the top streaming option for monday night football and Dwayne, we're in a 14 team league with three flexes and when you look on the waiver wire and there's freaking nobody (laughs) i was able to snag deandre carter out there and feel a little bit better compared to some of the other their options that were on the squad with buys rolling so kj hamler deandre carter these are the lows of the lows it'd be great if someone like josh palmer is out there for you please for the love of god prioritize him over kj hamler and deandre carter if you have the choice to just realize those complimentary wide receivers even though we've seen some lows from russell wilson very few lows from justin herbert just realize this is a theoretical shootout like my god Dwayne, the things that oh you every time i see these games shoot out Every time I see yeah. these AFC, these NFC West games, I just think about your lovely research stat about how all these freaking games with the 50-point totals and how those 50-point totals are probably now no longer in the 50s. <laughs> Damn them. Hopefully, they still
1: are, but they're not hitting. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're still getting projected on. that way, but they're not hitting.
0: <laughs> so in the meantime, all we can do is hope. Go ahead, get DeAndre Carter, KJ Hamler, or Josh Palmer if you need them. Again, shout out to our friends over at Sleeper Fan to see all right guys bills took down the chiefs in america's game of the week 24 to 20 covering as two and a half point road dogs in arrowhead under surprisingly cast at 55 and a half points so this is just you know it looked like a vintage performance from the bills it's amazing when you look at the counting stats and you see they only scored 24 points out there and yes so far pffs grades hate them all you want but josh allen does grade out as the highest passer of the week I really freaking hope for the love of God, Dwayne. That's still the case uh, tomorrow morning. I don't know how it couldn't be. My goodness, man. Zero turnover worthy plays. Five big-time throws and. Just his last three games against the Chiefs now, man, they have no answer for this guy. 315 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. 329 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. And today, 329 yards, three touchdowns. You guessed it, not a single interception. Obviously, plenty of rushing goodness on top of that. So Josh Allen is now going to have six consecutive top five fantasy finishes to start the season. He is well on his way to becoming, as I say every week on here, because it's such a damn good stat, and it took me a while to research. Jordan Brett Favre and Steve Young as the only quarterbacks to finish as the fantasy QB one in three consecutive seasons ever in NFL history. With that said, we all know how good Josh is. Let's talk about how good Stefan Diggs is as well. His 17-game pace, Dwayne, 176 targets, 139 catches, 1,859 yards, only 17 touchdowns are preseason worries, murmurs. I don't want look, we all we both had him wide receiver four the entire offseason. I don't want to say we're out on the guy, but there really should never have been a gap between those first three big receivers and Stefan Diggs, And there certainly isn't now in our weekly rankings. So at least we got here eventually.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it's, and we talked about it more and more like as it went on, but yeah, he's great. a couple other quick notes here to hit um, on the bills. I do feel like we've figured a few things out here. Um, When the bills play in a competitive game, you're going to see a lot of Devin Singletary and, they even made their intentions very clear by just not having Zach Moth available today. Um, the 86% snap rate um, this weekend for Singletary. Last week when they got out to the lead, we didn't see his normal utilization. So I think that's something to consider moving forward um, is what kind of game script we think the Bills are going to be in. Now, in any game, the Bills could just trounce anyone, right? So it, does, it could look like it's going to be a really good matchup and then they just house them. So there's always going to be the possibility of that. But Singletary had 100% of the short down and distance, 100% of the long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense, 100% of the, of the work inside the 10, 61% of the rushing attempts, 32% went to Josh Allen, right? 7% uh you know there was a little bit there to james cook so i mean it's 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 was pretty much all devin singletary in the backfield so just keeping an eye on what we think the game script's going to look like if we think that the bills are heavy favorites those are the games we may want to shy away a little bit um from devin singletary dawson knox uh season high 78 percent route participation like that's really good for him only a nine percent target share today but if you can be on the field a lot in the bills offense. Like we have other weapons like Gabriel Davis that show you, he only had a 12% target share, but he's hitting the, he hit the big play. Dawson Knox also cut a touchdown. So Gabe Davis came through with sixteen point four points. The other thing of note here, Ian, Isaiah McKenzie and Khalil Shakir. We kind of we didn't weren't for sure, right? What was going to happen? Because Khalil Shakir came out and played really good last week with McKenzie out in concussion protocol. We know Jamison Crowder is out; he had broken his ankle, and we didn't know like was it going to be a split for the slot work or could McKenzie really lead the way because he had really been, um, you know, a full roster spot. You know, he, he had he was two roster spots really ahead of. Shakir. Whenever the injury, when the concussion took place, he got off to a rough start in this game. Um, you know there was a, a, a shovel pass to the right, like he didn't catch. He had another pass that he dropped He had a touchdown that he dropped, and so McKenzie ended up only working fifty eight percent route participation. We were really hoping for seventy five to eighty percent. That wasn't the case. We saw them rotate twenty percent to Shakir. So that looks like for now, anyway. That's going to be a rotation. And that I think it probably sticks though. That's the way they were doing it with the guys before. Um, and and McKinsey may have had a shot today. He kind of blew it really early in the game. He he pulled a Michael Hartman. Like he went Michael. He went full. He went full. You don't know, ever go full Michael Hartman. Never go full, Hardman. Never he, go went full he went full <laughs> Michael Hartman, man. <laughs> Oh
0: my goodness! That one, like, is in trouble. With uh, <laughs> you,
1: you said it, man. Like,
0: I, I groan. I'm like, oh no, Shakir. He sh- probably should be playing more, man. Yeah. Mackenzie went out there, dropped that wide open. Th- that's how the Bills only scored 24 points. Mackenzie drops an open touchdown on fourth and three, where he just like slipped and jumped and had, again, I'm sure if I was in that situation, I'd look 10 times dumber, but just was not good. And then later on like a pretty big, you know, Josh was in his own end zone. He finds an open McKenzie. I don't know. He's supposed to be, you know, this yak superstar just couldn't even get the ball in his hands to make something happen with it. So Hey, it was his first game back from a concussion. I don't think they're going to just completely bench him for Shakur. Maybe he plays better and gets that role back. But if we had seen McKenzie Dwayne with like a 90% route rate, he'd be a, consensus like top 36 guy next week we definitely can't go all the way in on that right now
1: yeah for sure so we'll 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 monitor it but i think for now like you just gotta think it's good they're going to rotate like they were
0: on the Chiefs side of things you know even when Patrick Mahomes only scores 20 points and throws a pair of picks you're still going to see some pretty special plays and we did have those touchdowns too. Juju Smith-Schuster maybe not this year's Cooper Cup but still a full-time member of the Chiefs offense also did have Miko happen to find his way into the end zone that did not mean that there were not some you know classic Miko moments out there he did have a step down field Mahomes saved. hard on the guy would also note that Mahomes had an awesome sidearm to Travis Kelsey for a chunk that got nullified on OPI pretty iffy just small little push on top of the route even Romo himself called it a uh, soft call out there I would also note that MVS scored his first touchdown of the year. Not so fast. My friend, ineligible man downfield actually was kind of on Mahomes where he probably should have thrown the ball before his lineman got downfield. Very next play, Kelsey had the ball in the end zone in his hands, and it got knocked out at the last second. So probably more of a PBU, than a drop. But, hey, still a situation where you see Travis Kelsey in the end zone with the ball in his hands. You expect that to be a touchdown. Alas, it wasn't. And that was an interception. So really, I mean, even though the Bills did come away with this one and they didn't play perfect, you can make a similar argument for the Chiefs on that side of the ball. So, yeah, Dwayne, we have Mahomes, we have Kelsey. Even though we have Juju coming off easily his best game of the year, five catches, 113 yards and a touchdown, he broke some tackles out there. I'll give the guy a little bit of credit where credit is due. I don't know that we can boom up the rankings all that much next week because he still only had just five targets.
1: Yeah, he got lucky. 15% target share. Juju's not earning targets. Like, now he's in a good offense, so it's similar to – the argument of Gabe Davis, but Gabe Davis is full of big play potential. Juju's really not like Juju. Like, I don't know. He looks big and slow. Like I, I, I was like, is that a fullback or is that Juju? Like, God, like, uh, you know, and he, the, the play that he had for a touchdown was really lousy job of trying to tackle. Like, and he basically was just left alone. It's like, okay, like see you later. So I'm, I'm not that excited about Juju. It's fine. He's a low end boom bust wide receiver three because he plays in the chief offense. Um, you know, Miko came through with a touchdown today. So he got to 13.2 points, but he's still rotating. Really, Miko Hardman and Sky Moore are kind of the situation where we've got on the opposite side with McKenzie and Shakir. They're rotating. I'm just waiting. Like, can Sky Moore, when's he gonna take this over? Still held heady, still, still held steady around the 30% mark of snaps, 26% routes per uh routes per drop back today for Sky Moore. And Clyde Edwards Alaire, like folks, like we told you this was coming. And now it's two games in a row. Like, if you don't have the utilization, you can't just be like, it doesn't matter, man. He plays on Chiefs, he's going to score touchdowns. If he was getting all the carries inside the five, we would agree. But he's not. Because that's the first thing people say. Well, man, just watch the game. He's getting all the carries inside the five. On No, he's not. Like, that's the problem. He's not. He's getting 40 to 50% of the work inside the five. You know, today he was out there for 33% of the plays inside the 10-yard line. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and that's about where he's been on the season, right around 40%. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been really lucky. He plays on a good offense, yes, but still, like, the math is bad. Like, when you look at how little he gets used, 3.3 fantasy points today. So the last two weeks have really been more indicative of Clyde Edwards-Alaire's utilization, and that's why utilization usually, Ian, at some point wins. Like, it always, I mean, the numbers, like, just are what they are. Even though we love the offense, we love the situation. All three backs continue to be involved. Jarrett McKinnon outsnapped him today. Jarrett McKinnon saw more routes. Edwards alaire did still lead the team in, with 64, you know, of the rushing attempts, but that was only nine carries the way the game script worked out. So very game script dependent, you know, for Clyde Edwards alaire He's fine if you want to just admit what he is and play him as a boom bust, you know, low end RB two, high end RB three. But man, hopefully some of you were able to move him like before, like the bur- before the bubble just burst. So.
0: I agree with uh Stefan's sentiment there in the chat. Like, look, you can not play juju still in games like this when you have the biggest game total of the week and you're expecting Mahomes to have to keep his foot on the gas. But again, even in that, you know, he just had to have he had to have Mahomes do Mahomes things to kind of set up some of those touchdowns. I agree with your kind of general sentiment, Dwayne, where he was getting a lot of yak, but wasn't really impressive, yeah. Cause kind of mm-hmm. like when Claude Edwards gets a chunk run, like CEH is like the most underwhelming running back I've ever seen, like pick up bunches of yards. Like it's not that he's that inefficient or anything. We've given he's him. Got, from- here's
1: what I say CEH, like he I think be. he has, I think he has good vision. I think, yes, he has good, he's very, uh, he can be elusive, but once he gets into the open field, he has to break a tackle or run away from anyone. Like it just becomes problematic for him.
0: I tried to show that with a meme of a dog on a scooter that just goes like head first, like into a, thing of grass like after it has to like probably a lot better than what i just said yeah you know we're just we're, we're both trying to explain things uh in different ways out here did we see anything dwayne with sky moore's usage improving because he did have three targets and i believe uh Dave no i banging. mentioned it a
1: minute ago 30 okay. snap yeah. rate uh 26 routes uh per drop back no we got a lot of stuff we're trying to work through here so like i sometimes miss stuff too so <laughs> don't feel bad uh so not a move up, but like just a guy. If you're playing in it, if you're playing like in, obviously in 10, 12 team leagues uh, with shallow bench kind of thing, like a lot of you probably know, you've released him. If you're playing in a deeper format, I would continue to try to hold on Sky more just because Valdez, Scantling, Mikko Hardman, um Juju, they're really all kind of who we thought they were. And none of them are impressing us. None of them are coming out and saying, I need 25% target share. Like they're just like, ah, I'll, I'll take 15%, please. Like, you know, maybe. Could you screen? Could you give me a screenplay? I might get to twelve percent target share of this game. Like none of them are really demanding anything, so I still feel like Sky, you know, is the one where it's like, man, if things click, and we see this sometimes, you get to the bye week, you come out of the bye week, that'd probably be when I, I haven't even looked for when the Chiefs bye week is yet, Ian. But that'd probably be the moment where, like, coming out of the bye week, if he was sitting on the wire in my league, I'd probably throw him on my roster and just be like, all right, let's see what happens coming out of the bye week. See if Sky Moore takes over the the Michael Hardman role. If he could get to like a 70% route participation for a couple weeks, we would know pretty quickly. Like, what do we think about him? But he just hasn't had a chance targets per route run though. Really good. 23%. Yeah. So I'm starting to get over the number 24 thing. Like you watch enough of Juju <laughs> and NBA, still weird. it's still weird.
0: All of a sudden you're just like, you know what? I'll take the number 24 guy. Let's see uh, what's going on out here. Seahawks took down the Cardinals 19 to nine covering as a two and a half point dog, the under cashed at 50 and a half wasn't Gino's best performance he took 5 sacks out there that has been the one thing that we still haven't really seen him you know do the best job at throughout obviously this fairy tale season that he has been on. So not going to be overly critical. And it was one of those games where he certainly had uh, you know multiple opportunities to have a bigger day on the stat sheet. I saw DK Metcalf had a potential 16-yard touchdown, went off his hands. And same thing with Tyler Lockett from 15 yards out. A lot of guys crowded around the back of the end zone. I think he just kind of got spooked uh, with the goalposts around there as well. So no, wasn't the best game from the passing attack. But we saw Seattle with the league's 31st-ranked scoring defense inexplicably get to kind of hold this lead and not have to worry about opening things up the way we've seen in past weeks. And Dwayne, that led to Honestly, one of the most impressive performances of the season from a running back, Kenneth Walker, right off the back of Damian Pierce doing this last week before they went on a bye. Number one game this year in terms of missed tackles forced purely on rush attempts was Damian Pierce with 17 in week five. That number is still ridiculous, but it happened this week. Kenneth Walker with 12. He is now in second place this season, Dwayne. 0.5 Point 0.5 missed tackles forced per attempt. I cannot like properly explain to everyone how absurd of a number that is. Like what I think Javante and we lost our minds over Javante was like 0.31 or something like to see a point 0.5 there. It won't hold, but
1: my God, man, just, so we're not surprised to see him be high. Like we talked about this guy all off season. as a pure runner. We thought he was the best pure runner in the class, better than Brees Hall. Like, and it's shown like he's. He's a very, very elusive back. Like in his jump cut, his first cut, like his lateral agility, it's insane. Like it's on par with it. Like you can put it up against any back in the league. I don't know if there's anyone better. Like sometimes he's almost trying to make too many moves. You're like, damn, dude, that was like probably like you know, it was <laughs> like on the third juke on a juke on a top on a on top of a juke on top of a juke. It's like, okay, like let's just do two and like get downhill. But uh man, he looks like an electric player, really.
0: Uh, we'll give a little shout-out to the Seahawks O-line, one of only six units, averaging at least two yards before contact, before carry. I mean, look, man, this was one of the many assumptions that we got wrong about the Seahawks' offense Gino is actually leading them to a lot of scoring opportunities. And the offensive line, I believe, PFF had them ranked 31st, and PFF was 100% wrong about that so far in this season. So great to see from the surprising 3-3 three and three Seattle Seahawks. Yards per play this season, number one, Dwayne, the Bills at 6.6, 6, and number two, the Seattle Seahawks at 6.3, just like we all expected. Uh, mm-hmm. Final note will be nice shout-out to Seahawks cornerback Tariq Woolen fourth straight gains with an interception on his Trayvon digs, even though I don't think he's been giving up the same sort of gaudy numbers that obviously we all heard about Trayvon during last off season, but not to slander Trayvon. The guy's having a nice little bounce back year in his own right on to the Arizona Cardinals. Just
1: I, hey, real quick on Kenneth yeah. Walker. I just want to let everybody know. So uh, 69 on utilization, 69% snaps uh, 78% of the team rushing attempts, almost a 40% route participation. He did get to handle 50% of the long down and distance today. So that was nice. Like, and we had seen that over the last couple of weeks, even um, you know, back to week two, he was getting a few of those snaps every game. That's really positive because again, third down and long is typically what we're talking about there. And that is when defenses go to man coverage, they're going to blitz a lot. And so you have to trust the running back in those scenarios. And so that's a positive because if the coaches trust, Kenneth Walker in those scenarios, that means the door is open for him to earn more passing down work. We did see DJ Dallas today get 100% of the two minute offense. But like I said, Kenneth Walker did get 50% of the long down and distance stuff. Now we'll eventually get Travis Homer back too. So we don't know what, what that could do. Is that going to make it even a little bit more muddy in the passing game? It's possible. It's possible. But just, just keep an eye on it. Like Kenneth Walker, like there is a chance that he ends up getting some of this passing down work that nobody thought he could get. Oh, yeah, he had 11% target share today, a 20% targets per route run. He was at a 23% coming into the game. So a wide receiver, a running back one over the last five years is a 20% targets per route run. Like he's, already, he's above that. So a guy that nobody thought could catch passes is playing on long down and distance. The coaches trust him. And his targets per route run is above what we expect from an RB one in fantasy football. So, the all signs point to the Kenneth Walker actually is going to be good at catching passes, even though he didn't do it in college.
0: Have us Homer, take your time, bro. Got that rib yeah, injury? Take your time, take man. Yeah, get get no totally rush. healthy. <laughs> No rush, Travis. All right, on the Cardinal side of things. Again, this is, this is the most frustrating offense to watch week to week. Not that they are the worst, but because we know what they're capable of with some of these guys in this offense. But the first half points this season, man, 7-0-6-3-10 in this week, 3 the good news is the numbers we have moving in the right direction are Kyler Murray's rushes. We were all freaking out after the first three weeks, last three weeks, 12 carries, four carries and 10 carries in this one with the cool 100 scoreless yards on the ground to save what was otherwise, you know, a terrible day at the office. Six sacks taken, ill-advi- not ill-advised, but game-ending interception at the end, basically, that unfortunately also coincided with number one receiver Marquise Brown badly hurting his ankle or leg he got rolled up on he was spotted in a walking boot afterwards he told reporters that initial x-rays were negative which is good news but he will be undergoing further testing on monday again did not look good out there by any stretch of the imagination so look sticking to the passing game at first round we'll talk about Eno in a second yeah. if marquise brown is gonna be out of the picture man deandre hopkins he's back like suspension is over Hopkins is back. And I want to put in some context because every time I brought up Hopkins, there's just a bunch of people that he's washed, you know, whatever. He's off his PEDs. And I get it. Maybe you take away the Beaver tranquilizer and he can't do it anymore. But last year, in those weeks one through seven, this was the overall PPR wide receiver 12. Oh, Ian, you're being a dick. Some guys had bye weeks. Fine. Per game, wide receiver 17. Like the guy was a top 20 receiver last year. Yeah, I know the receiving yards were down compared to what we saw. He scored a lot of touchdowns because he's DeAndre hundred Deandre freaking Hopkins. And we don't want to be as reliant on receiving touchdowns, but man, that was a really spread out passing game. And this year already, we've seen Kyler just lean into Marquise Brown in a similar manner that he did with Deandre Hopkins in 2020. So, Look, I'm not worried about, again, a small sample size from last year that really told us that DeAndre was still someone that you should have in your lineup every single week. Looking ahead to week seven, Dwayne, I mean, Hopkins, I'm not going to throw him right back in the top 12. Really don't think I'm going to have a hard time getting him in that top 20, though. And heavy majority of start sick questions. Of course, you're starting him. What have we been holding him on the bench six weeks for?
1: <laughs> yeah, that alone. Um, if if Marquise Brown is out, like there's no way he's not in the top 24 if Marquise Brown like practices in full by Friday and has one of these miraculous, wow, how did that injury look so bad? And he wasn't hurt. Cause we get those. Um, then yeah, he's going to be a wide receiver three because I think Marquise Brown, you know, has earned, you know, the right to be, you know, the guy ranked ahead, but yeah, he's a guy that we're going to be excited about getting back. And he's a guy that man, hopefully for Kyler, like you just get another weapon because Rondell Moore was Rondell Moore's coming on 98% route participation for Rondell Moore, 26% target share today. Um, so I know it was only 10.9 fantasy points, but like we saw some flashes of what we saw in college from Rondell after the catch early in that game. So I think there's some, there's some things to be excited about there. And, and really like we've seen, um, Kyler, I know we haven't come through with the touchdowns or the big passing totals, but the target shares Ian have been good enough to support three people. Yeah, You've got like today, you had 26% to Zach Ertz. Okay. Rondell Moore, 26%, Marquise Brown, 26%. So, I think there's an opportunity still, uh, you know, as this passing game matures, we actually see them get a little bit better in their yardage totals, hopefully start scoring some more touchdowns, that there can be two to three weapons each week that get supported, you know, in the Cardinals offense. Only one of them is really going to probably boom huge. I don't think we're going to see something like, oh, this is, this is Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. This is Jalen Waddell and, you know, Tyreek Hill. I- I'm not saying that but I think you can look at a level below that and we can still feel really good about starting all these guys.
0: Sackard, seven catches, 70 yards, could have been even bigger, had a potential 31-yard score that Kyler just overthrew. And look, with Ertz, I mean, it's not like he's he's kind of that Dalton Schultz type of... Ertz is like the OG, so I'm not trying to, you know, put him down or anything like that. I just mean, he's one of those tight ends who's not giving you a ton of separation. So when Kyler misses him, I don't think it's quite as egregious as someone that, you know, has already dusted his player by five yards. And then on the, uh, there's also a point where Eno got down just short to the one yard line, and then Kyler lost yards, and then there was actually no touchdown score because they didn't score a touchdown in this entire game, Dwayne. Why on earth would we expect Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury to be able to score a touchdown in 60 minutes? I don't know. In the run game, though, Eno Benjamin, 87% snaps, 14 carries, and three targets. Bro, if you would have told us, if we knew before the game he was playing 87% snaps, we would have ranked him higher. Ranked him even out. higher. <laughs>
1: just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. Yeah. So if, if we get a situation where we don't have James Connor again, and we also don't have Daryl, 1L Daryl, we don't have him back, then I, I, I'll go back to the well, right? On Eno Benjamin. Like it was clear that he was the guy they want. Keonti Ingram got out there a little bit, had 13% of the rushing attempts. Kyler had 25%, 63% to Eno. Handled, you know, if we say 87% of the snaps, I don't need to say all the other stuff. He just didn't leave. He didn't leave the field. Like it, but there wasn't anything where it was just, oh, he doesn't get this. He had the short down a distance, all that stuff.
0: Good note from uh, Crazy Gideon and noting that Cod is out in less than two weeks. To wait, I'm not sure I it's know. gonna get better for Kyler and company uh, with this going on. I'm thinking Finally- he's
1: gonna get better. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna look at the positive.
0: Hey, so this is actually kind of funny. I I tell you guys, I like to give out some bets here and there, but I am. I will never lie about me being this incredible gambler behind the scenes and all that. But I like having fun with it, just like you guys. And I put down a five prop parlay, Dwayne, and I hit it. It was awesome. It was 25 bucks. I won like 550. But this was almost the worst beat of my life because the last thing I needed was Rondale Moore over 48 and a half receiving yards. And he passed it in like the third quarter. I texted my friends. I was like, oh, look at me, guys, freaking nailing this. And Rondale catches one in the fourth quarter on his screen and he runs backwards, bro. He lost seven yards and he ended up 49 yards, another half yard out there. And I would have freaking lost on the (laughs) biggest backbreaker ever. So Rondale Moore, I cannot thank you enough for getting exactly 49 yards and not a single yard less enough about me though. Let's move on. Two more games. Everyone appreciate you all sticking with us. Rams took down the Panthers 24 to 10. I, If you would have told me the Rams won 24-10, I would have hoped that we would have had a little more optimism for this offense, and we really don't. Okay, we got a nice touchdown from Allen Robinson. Hey, he can win in some contested catch situations. We've seen that throughout the year, and this was his best game by far. I would say the only target that was incomplete – Probably should have been called for a flag. They tried to give him a little ISO route at the goal line, and they just really chucked the ball into the dirt. So that one didn't work out for him. And then we had the hilarious taunt uh, going on with the Panthers linebacker just freaking out as A-Rob's doing the exact same thing to the ref. But it's just another game with Stafford. Only 250 passing yards through the air. It was Daryl Henderson and then 38-year-old Malcolm Brown and then Ronnie freaking Rivers, whose name I didn't know until two days ago, still splitting things up. I guess there are some positives here, Dwayne. I just wish that the freaking defending Super Bowl champs that we could have a little more in this offense to still feel good about than just Cooper Cup. I guess we can feel good about Daryl Henderson having a 70% snap rate, albeit I don't really trust him to be the featured running back one the rest of the season, just based on how fickle McVay has historically been with him, albeit he is that guy for right now. Maybe I'm just being a downer here at 120 a.m. Eastern time. What do you think, Dwayne? Was this was it was there some good news here for the Rams?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's good for I, I'm like you though I, I don't trust it I, I'm right. I'm definitely stashing um, Kyron Williams anywhere I can you know I did it a ton this morning just once I heard the Cam Akers news knowing that they liked him a lot in the preseason then he had the the high ankle sprain had to have the surgery um, you do have the Rams I believe next week on bye so you're gonna have to kind of watch that it's like one of those kind of frustrating things you got to pick the player up and then carry them through a bye week. You know, if you're playing in a deeper league, but I think Kyron Williams is a priority pickup. And my thoughts on it, Ian, are they can't run the ball for crap anyway. So they may as well just get the guy out there that might be the best passing down back. And I think that might be Kyron Williams. So who knows if he'll really take everything over, but I think there's an opportunity there for him. Malcolm Brown is just a dude like he's just he's a placeholder. Um, I don't know anything. I'm like you. I don't know anything about Ronnie Rivers, so I'm not going to sit here and, you know, talk bad about Ronnie Rivers. Uh, (laughs) You know, he had three percent of the or five percent of the snaps today. Um, So, yeah, it's fine for Daryl Henderson for now. I don't know how much how much I trust it. The other problem we have with Daryl Henderson, we've seen this so many times now. He gets these 70 and 80 percent snap counts. And we're like, God, can you give us like 20 points once, like just once? Like it's always like 13, 15 it's even worse this year because, obviously, the offensive line is very problematic. But, yeah, that's it. And even, like, with A-Rob, like, it's still a 19% target share. He's not like he popped up, and like, hey, man, I beasted out with 30%. Nope, didn't, 19%. You got Bennett, you know, Skulronic still out there with a 16% target share. You know, all the all the receivers all all hit 15-plus fantasy points today. Um, this first game where it really wasn't just, like, you know, Cooper Cup, like, by far and away, better than the rest of the guys.
0: Good news is when I Google Ronnie Rivers, I don't get profiles for murderers from 20 years ago. So we do mostly stick to the football uh, with
1: him. I don't, hey, I don't know if – did yeah. you hear anything on Higby or if anyone in the chat did? I, I noticed the 57% route participation, but I was going to throw that out there. I know he was uh, questionable until Friday. And then he was always expected to play. McVeigh always said he would play. So I don't know if it was tied back to the injury or what. But definitely – They were using a t- yeah. ton of
0: Brandon Powell. I think that – I think it was just kind of more – different formations they were using out there with that said brandon powell he got hurt after he almost scored in like back-to-back plays so maybe it could be a non-entity but that's a huge problem though yeah because i mean higby we've obviously been playing him ahead of less of more talented guys just for that target volume that becomes a problem but i mean there wasn't another tight end out there they kind of use
1: yeah like bryson hopkins 17 percent, kendall blanton only three percent i think you're right i think they used used, i think they used more uh, 10 personnel today. I think you nailed it because Brandon Powell was out there 37%. So they probably had four wides quite a bit and they may have done something else on those plays. I, I don't know. But anyway, something to watch with Higby definitely caught my attention. He had 1.7 fantasy points today and the utilization didn't look good either.
0: And uh PFF's 31st ranked offensive line pass blocking grade probably going to be even worse moving forward. Unfortunately, left yeah. tackle Joe Noteboom could be dealing with an Achilles injury per Sean McVay. So again, like they're <laughs> Maybe maybe week six Allen Robinson is a sign of things to come and weeks one through five was just, you know, a, a Fugazi or something. But Dwayne and I, hey, some good things happened today. It's just really tough to be at all confident that they are going to continue. Similar to uh, you know, Carolina without like actually any good things happening, other than Christian McCaffrey being Christian McCaffrey. 28 straight non-injured games now with at least 100 yards or and or scoring a touchdown. Panthers had 203 total yards, and McCaffrey had 158 of those. The most entertaining part of this game, other than McCaffrey doing his thing, and he really did just look impressive. I mean, that is the thing with McCaffrey, man. I think only Chubb was graded higher over – McCaffrey was definitely top five going to last week, PFF overall. He's been incredible, man. It's not like this is empty volume. Like he's going out there, stiff arming dudes, breaking tackles, doing the damn thing. So it really is a joy to watch. And I would welcome a trade anywhere, man. It's come on. It's Christian McCaffrey. He's gonna be a top five running back on any roster in the league and fantasy land. But yeah, so the most entertaining side note was Robbie Anderson screaming at his coach enough to eventually get sent to the locker room. Uh, don't love to see that. Just stay in LA, Robbie, go get you a, you know, helmet with a lightning bolt on it and suit up for the Chargers on Monday night. Lord knows they need a field stretcher. So P.J. Walker got hurt, not concussed, just a neck injury, not ideal, obviously. Jacob Eason came in and showed off why he is a four-string quarterback in the NFL. So D.J. Moore, three catches, seven yards. If you have anything to say, Dwayne, go ahead or not,
1: forever hold your peace. Dude, this passing game, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. 60 yards passing by Walker and 59 by Eason. And most of it all went to McCaffrey. He had 89. <laughs> he had 89 of it. So it's like at least they figured out, well oh, crap, like I can just check I can just throw the ball to McCaffrey. No, you know, I mean you get instant space between him and linebackers. Uh yeah. It's all about McCaffrey. Forty percent target share for CMC today. Could you imagine? McCaffrey and buffalo could you imagine McCaffrey in kansas city not that those teams need to do it or be the best football move just for fun i know folks <laughs> don't like start going off on me in the comments you don't trade for a running back you know it's got a big contract i get it but just for fantasy like could you imagine like that would be god do not i where would you hate to see him most for me it'd be denver like the most Denver. mismanaged team, Denver, we would actually downgrade him from Carolina. He a- like, oh, Atlanta.
0: God. He can go form a committee with uh, oh Caleb. Huntley. He, would. he wouldn't. Even, <laughs> yes,
1: he would become. Yes. CMC would become a 50% timeshare player. <laughs> They'd be a really good offense, but yeah, he'd be a and timeshare. Buffalo. <laughs> could you imagine Buffalo? If he got to a 15, 20% target share in Buffalo and it would just it, all of a sudden it'd be just him and digs every week.
0: Ooh. All right, guys, final game here. The Philadelphia Eagles took down the Dallas Cowboys. 26-17. Second quarter, it was 20-3. It looked like it was going to be an absolute slaughter. Credit to Cooper Rush. Really, Ezekiel Elliott, honestly, for probably sparking this offense more so than anyone. Nice little 81 rushing yards on 13 carries for Zeke. Nice touchdown run showing off the vision. Looking like a man a few years younger than what he currently is. He's not that old, but you guys know what I mean. And, yeah, it really was, though, the Eagles' day. That defense caused problems all afternoon, and the offensive line was just really able to run all over Michael Parsons and company, and by run over, not that Parsons. Honestly, like it was the opposite of running over Parsons. They just didn't block Parsons the entire game, basically, as Chris Collinsworth kept pointing out rightly so. That's the offense that the Eagles are using. And it was very effective. Just look at the 26 points. They did get some short fields. Again, Cooper Rush did throw three picks out there, but just an overall, another really good performance from your now six and no Eagles. Miles Sanders did score a short touchdown. AJ Brown had a touchdown as did Devonte Smith. So looking now at some of the notes from Nathan Yonke's ever awesome uh recaps and I accidentally pulled up week five so I'm gonna need a second to get those on there Dwayne but look I think it's just Philly we kind of know what it is we love Jalen we love AJB Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard they have the upside of being in this offense to put up with the down games like Goddard had today but that's life in an offense that still wants to run the ball and has three really good pass game options so for me nothing about this game changed my really rest of season opinions on the Eagles
1: Yeah. No, me either. Um, If anything, like I I did think the most positive thing was really just I thought Zeke actually looked like the better runner of the two players tonight. Right. And I'm not going out on a limb and saying like he's better than Pollard now, but that's the best I've seen, you know, Zeke look, you know, in a while. So so maybe maybe there's some hope because he's been terrible. Like he's been absolutely brutal. Like you couldn't have him in your lineup, really. Um, So it was good to see him come through, you know, with the touchdown, um, you know, and just just looking a little bit more, you know, like what, even if he's not like peak performance Zeke, right? You know, even if he's 80, 90 percent, because some of you, I know, spent, you know, a fourth or a fifth round draft pick to get Zeke on your fantasy roster. So tonight you look like somebody that you'd feel fine as, you know, a low end RB2, right? I know that sounds weird that that that's where we are. Like that would be an upgrade if we could just call Zeke a low end RB2 right now. But I, I felt that was solid.
0: Dak Prescott did say it is his plan to play next week against the Lions. Oh, it's kind of been this way for a couple of weeks, Dwayne. And then it's like, we're yeah. probably just going to end up getting to the eight week, you know, initial timeline before Jerry Jones had to say, well, actually, I think we could be. A it bit does sound like before. he's
1: closer though. Now, like this is the he first does. time he said that, like, if it was up to him, he would have played tonight. You know, so, I mean, he said his, his grips, not a plus it's an a, but he, if it was up to him, he would have played, but he wanted to give it another week. I think we see Dak next week, this week. I don't think even though it is, you know, it's kind of this game, like they're listening him as questionable. Like it was really always felt like doubtful. You know, I think next week he really will be questionable
0: final notes here. Yeah, Zeke still led the way 41 snaps to 27 snaps for Tony Pollard out of the 67 snaps the Cowboys had on offense. CeeDee Lamb and Noah Brown actually working ahead of Michael Gallup in terms of routes run. Uh, Peyton Hendershot, of course, got to get him going Uh, and Jake Ferguson filling in for Dalton Schultz who was inactive with the knee injury. So Noah Brown, incredible one-handed juggling catch in the back of the end zone before half. Unfortunately, only got one foot down. No touchdown. Then the game basically ended when Cooper Rush went deep for a pretty damn wide open CD Lamb. I don't know if it would have been a 60-yard house call. It had a chance to be at a minimum. should have been a chunk gain after James Bradbury fell down. Unfortunately, Cooper really couldn't step up in the throw, had that pressure, and it got picked off instead. Only big injury I saw other than obviously Dak not playing. Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson got injured before halftime, and that really did seem to swing the game at least for a little bit before Jalen Hurts settled everything down. So, think that's about it, guys. Look at that, Dwayne. Closer to two hours instead of two and a half. That's what a couple of bye weeks will do for the brand. Appreciate you always, my brother. Let the people know what you got going on over at MB Fantasy Live. Because, guys, look, it's week seven. We've had – this is like our first – we're done with the first third of the season. Now we got to go make the playoffs, and then we'll worry about winning it. But don't skip over this part. This is important freaking weeks. People are getting tired. Not us, though, Dwayne, especially not you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. So, of course, the utilization report, that will be the first thing that I'm working on this week. You guys can find everything over at fantasylife.com. Then I do my rankings and my tiers. Also working on the newsletter, you guys can sign up for that. Give you five minutes worth of information every morning, just so that you know what happened the day before. My Dwayne, Pete, Dwayne I have a
0: family. Yeah. How am I supposed to afford it?
1: It's free. It's, free. it's free. I'm so glad you asked, Ian. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, you guys go sign up. You can actually check it out at Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter, D-W-A-I-N-M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D. And when you pull up my profile, you'll see a spot where you can sign up for the newsletter right there
0: great day to be great everyone check out all that and as you know we got you know five episodes every single week pff fantasy football podcast i think i got seven articles or something the editors i god bless them they asked me if i wanted to do another one i was like no are you fucking kidding me guys <laughs> see how much i'm doing already but okay enough of that for Dwayne, i'm ian thanks so much for tuning in to pff fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody